Alright, this is going to be the process of transferring tape 3, Saturday, July 26, year 2013. Alright, is it Dick Friends? You know, I forgot his first name. Frank, you know who I mean, the British, the British, uh, who writes about horse races and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, anyway, I want to wish you a wonderful evening. Thank you, and you too, and I'm so glad we got to talk. You know, you, you kind of don't well, get Upsnap to is, call in all the time, and it's fun when you get to do that. Upsnap's been dead for about three weeks. I, I finally was able to get something official on Upsnap to clear it up. Uh, but they still occasionally will act up. You'll be listening for two minutes, and then it'll stop and start. And yeah. it's, it's one of those weird... When I finally get things fixed on the, either the computer or a, or a Wi-Fi, it'll be nice to finally put UpSnap totally behind us. Good. Agreed. Because you hate being you hate being interrupted when you just when it's getting interesting. <laughs> the middle of a sentence is not the time to. Well, one time time I was listening to you and you said I believe, and then it said for hip hop dial one. <laughs> it's very. See, I do not believe in hip hop. You can trust I was me. Joking of Walden, I was joking of Walden a few weeks ago about that whole hip-hop thing, and I said, you know, in one of the 78s I have in my record collection is the Kitty 78. It's called Hippity Hop Bunny. It's an Easter record. That'll Maybe work. I could put that on the hip-hop channel for us. <laughs> I think so. Sure. Sounds like well, they said hip-hop. They didn't say hippity hop. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. funny. You have a good evening, Walden and Patricia. Alrighty. Thank you, Jim. You have a again. great week. You bet. Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right. Seven one four five four five two zero seven one is uh, seventeen before eleven here on the West Coast. And uh, it's early yet, he says. It's early, so nobody call. We might play a radio show. Just sneak it in. A radio show, or even just a fifteen-minute show, That's what or I mean. whatever. We, we could do that. You want to do, you want to play the fifteen-minute show now? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, that way we and can get up and stretch. Kind of sneak off and do a couple of things, mm -hmm. and we'll be right back. Alrighty. Well, what we've got here, um, Fibber, is shopping for Christmas cards. Yep. He's shopping for Christmas cards at Kramer's drugstore. Let me find my. Fibber show here. Choo, 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 choo. Fibber shows. Fibber show. Fibber, fibber, fibber. Where is Fibber? There we go. Um, buying Christmas cards at Kramer's Drugstore. It is from December 12, 1954. So it's a short one, 15 minutes. They went to 15 minute shows October 3rd, 1953. So this is a little bit more than a year here. And um, they went five times a week. <laughs> this just, it gave me the vapors when I thought about it. Um, they don't have an audience in the 15-minute shows, but this is one of them where I think it worked okay. They were bubbly. They were lively and having a good time in this show. It had everything that the audience shows had and is typically missing from the rest of the non-audience shows. 
there's a clerk in here who sounds like Candy Matson from the detective series. Candy Matson? Yeah, she did, she, uh, she did play parts in that show. You're right. Yes, she did. Yeah. Well, it sounds like Candy Matson because it is Candy Matson. <laughs> it's Natalie Masters, who was also um, noted as Natalie Tark. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that was her maiden name. I've forgotten what her maiden name is, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, Natalie Masters is, um, is the person here. And it is Candy Matson and Ken Christie oh, is yeah. Kramer. Now Ken Christie was um, the bass singer. Is that correct? Yep, he was the bass and also Chief Gates in and, the great and show. And Chief Gates. Yep. And um, he doesn't have the the resonance that he had as Chief Gates. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that Chief Gates was an exaggerated style of his baritone voice. Mm-hmm. Because um, he doesn't sound that deep as, as Mr. Kramer in the drugstore. But anyway, Fibber and Molly are out trying to buy Christmas cards. This is from December 12, 1954. They do their own advertising in here. So you're going to have to wade through some, I think it, this one is Prudential, Prudential Insurance. And we'll be back in about 15 minutes. Here we go. It's time for Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Sundays through Thursdays, NBC brings you Fibber, McGee, and Molly transcribed. The show is written by Phil Leslie and directed by Max Hutto. We'll open our story in Kramer's Drugstore in a moment. But right now, Fibber is saying... Molly, how much do you suppose a college education is worth to a young man now? Fibber, McGee, and Molly is an NBC Radio Network production transcribed. With Bill Thompson as Wallace Wimple, Arthur Q. Bryan as Dr. Gamble, Natalie Masters as Mrs. Croft, and Ken Christie as Kramer. Tomorrow, Mr. McGee has an idea he can cadge Mrs. McGee into buying him the present he wants for Christmas. Can he? What do you think? You can find out by tuning in to Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Join the great Gildersleeve and all his friends tonight on the NBC Radio Network. And there we go, from 1954, December 12, 1954. And a great friend McGee and Molly. And we'll talk about that a little more with Patricia really soon. What's that, Lord, Thank you for our friends and our families out there, for this country. What the opportunities we have, and we're very, very so grateful. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. What play it? A song. It's ready.
Okay, let's go get Patricia. Please stand by. JAWS for Windows is ready. SoundForge Pro 10.0. Data window. Here's the JAWS Alt Tab. MP3 Skype Recorder. Alt Tab. SoundForge Pro 10. Windows M. Desktop S. Showcase Twin S. Skype. Enter. Welcome to Skype. Press insert plus H for a list of JAWS hotkeys that can be used within Skype. Skype trademark 17 Walden. Use Patrick. Live conversation list list box. Patricia o. Patricia Hewitt. Page up. Page up. Skype. Change. Bill Bragg. Online. Bill. Bragg 3. Online. Don. McCroskey. Call to Bill Bragg. From Walden Hughes at Saturday, July 27, 2013, 11.05, 21 p.m. Contact request. Contact request page. Let's fire up a little music here. Give me a second, everybody. Got my hand full. Select the Ron called me too, saying that. But uh, I don't know. I could I could bring it up this way, and okay, uh, that well, should you, do it. You brought me up. Well, I didn't touch you. I brought everybody else up. Okay. So that should do it. All right. If not, I can turn myself down for you. Okay. Okay, but <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. No, well, I gotta make sure it's right. Okay. No, let me give a listen and see how you okay. are doing uh, on the air. Okay, I'm on the air. Hello there. I better talk to the caller. Hello there, caller. You on there? No, it sounds good. 
See, I just did it, didn't I? There you go. Yeah, you yeah. sound good now. Yeah, well, you know, we got all these buttons, and you got a blind engineer. Things can happen. I just want to let everybody know. Hey, one, one, before I hang up, one quick request. Yeah. Patricia. Yes. Tuxedo interviews. Yes. You got that in your file, right? Yes. And that can, you can put that in my envelope. What okay. Kind of, what kind of interviews? Just shady oh, interviews. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a it, big demand last week. Yeah, okay, I'll listen. Aloha. Gee. Aloha. See, we're going to have this he night. Aloha's, he aloha's. When we had this, both had this night conversation, it's just a one-way conversation that time. Sort of. 714-545-2071. We're back. And... I went and talked to Dad, and so I was good, and I had some peanut butter and some crackers and a little bit of soda pop, so I feel better. And thank you for letting us, thank you for letting us go out and play. Did you do okay? And stuff like that there. Yeah, did you do okay during your break? Yeah, I had some peanut butter crackers, and it's a good thing I did, too. Oh, good. Was your peanut butter better than my peanut butter? Um... I don't know. I eat the natural peanut butter, and it's probably oh, not any better for me than the regular stuff, but it tastes good. <laughs> I mean, what what is unnatural about peanut butter? Uh, it comes in a nut? I don't know. All natural. Well, okay. I don't think it's all natural. I think you've got some stuff in there, but anyhow, um... I've got stuff for you. All right. Let me, let me get all the way up here. Okay. Well, what we have, Ken Goff said he was going to call in and continue the watermelon salt routine. So, Ken, you he better has, call. This is your golden he opportunity. Now, Ken, you said you would be listening. Pick up the phone. Yep, yep. You know, if, if, if we don't call, we can't do it. That's right. <laughs> you, can't, you can't talk about talk of, about um, <laughs> salt and watermelon. I'm looking at popcorn. So oh dear. Okay, IHOP. We've got some freebies here. Birthday freebies. Uh, and you join now. If if anyone wants to join any of these, I mean, you have to sign up for them, obviously, so that they know where to send this stuff. And if anyone would like me to register you with any of these sites, I would be happy to do it. So you have to kind of walk your way through a couple of steps and blanks to fill in and stuff like that there. Okay, IHOP, the International, oh, I should have asked you, what does IHOP stand for? The International House of Pancakes. Very good. They and KFC went with letters. Okay. How long has IHOP been out there? Seems like forever. Gee, you mean uh, the the company itself yep, or yep, just the, the company. IHOP? The company itself seemed like it been out. The franchise seemed like it been out forever. Homework, homework, homework. Golly. Hold on. IHOP history. You know what they do very well that I like? Yeah. Potato pancakes. Well, guess where it's potato pancakes. Mm -hmm. I've never been inside an IHOP. I'm telling you, Walden, I have to get out more. You, uh, Patricia, once you move to California, 
your whole horizon will be expanded. What can I say? I got one just down the street, across the street from <laughs> from Walgreens. But, but you know, you're have lo- I ever been in there? No. But I you're have to get on the other side of the highway. But, but you're but you're loyal. You're loyal to yeah, Perkins. I am. You're loyal and to Perkins. And faithful and like one hundred percent like an elephant. Yeah. 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 What? You're loyal to Perkins. I am. They've got really good breakfast. There and they're easy to get to. They're just around the corner. Uh, if it, I it, it, if that, I were healthier, I could walk. Could that could if Patricia a creature of comfort? In other words, <laughs> <laughs> no explanation necessary. <laughs> so what I mean, if it's something she likes and something really close by, she'll choose that. Oh sure. Yeah. As long as it's, as I'm, of course. I mean, I don't go driving around. Even, uh, you know how much I like sweet tomatoes. I haven't been there for a while. Uh, and it's out of sight yep. and out of mind. And I need to put that on my calendar. I really like sweet tomatoes because you can build a salad as big as you want. So when's the last time you've been to Subway? <sighs> Long time. If mm-hmm. I have to think this hard. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. And and there's one. I'm getting my hair cut on Monday. I look woke up this morning looking like roadkill. And <laughs> yeah, I know, pretty awful. And I called, so I have an appointment on Monday, and they are almost next door to a Subway sandwich place. Maybe I and there's a and when I go to the supermarket, there's one. I pass one on my way out. I need to I need to do things, you know. Food is good. Food is a pleasure. Food is a joy. Food is is a well. It, it's good stuff. It's. I was just thinking. It's uh, you know, food means a lot besides the nutrients and keep the uh, mm-hmm. the body together. It could be a sign of social and. It puts and families together. Bread. Breaking bread is a sacred ritual with me. Yeah, breaking bread with friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Stuff like that there. I have started in what year do you think? And I say 1962. 1958. You weren't far off. Mm. And where was it born? States California. Only. California. How did you know that? Well, I, everything starts in California. California. Yeah. I, I, Beluga Lake. That's not too far from you, is it? By now. You know, who's, who's, who's the most famous resident of Toluca Lake? Um, was my nephew uh, passed away ten years ago? I don't know. Bob Hope. That was his place. He was in Toluca. Yeah, that was it. That was his home. Yeah. Bob Hope with Toluca Lake all the way. And so sad. They're getting ready to sell the uh, the mansion, and so oh, everything. I read about that. Everything, everything going up for sale in September. Oh dear. And uh, so. That's probably, I, I've been promised we're going to get Bob Hope's daughter, Linda, in on the air in September. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Hello there, Carl. You're on the air. Well, good morning. Hi, Dan. Well, hi there, Dan. How in the world are you? Well, I was fine until I got woke up by a war whisper. You like that? <laughs> yes, so. I mean, I, I was This is Dan in Indiana, oh, and the Wurlitzer Oregon interrupted your sleep? So you, you think George Wright can play a mean organ, huh? 
I guess so. I wasn't sure who that was. Yeah, well, that's what George Wright. Well, it has a lot of stops in it. Woof. Woof. Quite a few, quite a few. I, I didn't know if it was coming from Hawaii or not. I thought it might be. Yeah, yeah. Ron, you need to, you need to compare, you need to play. Play that Warsaw organ from Hawaii, Ron. <laughs> yeah, I know. So what's been happening with you? Are you all rested up after the reenactment? I am rested up, doing fairly well. I I took a, took a small vacation after work, and I drove down, and I saw probably one of your great, great fans, uh, probably one of your great uh, people you like. Uh, I went down and I saw Vicki Lawrence tonight. Vicki Lawrence, what did she do? Well, she was on the Carol Burnett show, and she's... Uh, Played Mama Harper. Okay. Greytown. Yeah. Okay. Was she? All right. Isn't she the singer? I'm trying to think. Did she so what also did she do sing? for you tonight? Yeah. Oh, what did she do? She sang her hit song, "The Night the Light Went Out in Georgia," and she came on stage as Mama, and she did a little rap, and uh, it was just entertaining. She told about how she got started in show business business um with carol burnett and uh it's just been it was a real entertaining evening especially if you like how how big was the uh, theater it was renfro valley's uh, oh. theater and i'm not sure i don't know how large it was i was sitting in row l street 101 right in the center of the action and um i don't know how many seats are in that theater, probably, oh, two or three hundred, I'd say, at least. That's the, I have a question uh, about the character Mama. Yeah? That was a Carol Burnett show shtick that they did, yes? Yes, you're right. Uh-huh. How, then, how, how is she able to take that character and perform it in another venue that's not associated with the show? Well, she basically came out in character dressed in uh, the uh, the garb from the show, and it was just you know her basically on stage, yeah, uh, you know talking about topical events and things like that. There, I was thinking more in terms of who owns the character. Did she create the character, and therefore she can perform it uh, apart from the show, or did the writers create the character? I guess, well, see, that went into syndication on, or went, that show was spun off of the Carol Burnett show on NBC for one year, and then it was in syndication for four or five years, I believe. So, I don't know who owns the rights to the character, but I guess she does. Well, she'd have a pretty hard time surviving on the circuit if she were using it incorrectly or in violation of something. It just is an intriguing piece of, I don't know, trivia for the entertainment industry. Who owns a character when the show disappears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's been uh, she's been touring with that character, I think, I mean, for many years. Mm-hmm. She, uh, you know, she's done commercials as the character. And, uh, you know, I know its start was on the Carol Burnett show. And... Um, but then it went into syndication, and I think Joe Hamilton 
I think owns the rights to the character. Now, how that's divvied up, I'm not sure. Yeah. But. Uh, okay, well, that's your homework. <laughs> that's my homework. You Where? have to oh. find out how how a person, how a performer, can attach herself to a character and take it with her. So that's your homework. You have to you have to find out. Well, let me you know, you me. take your homework assignment seriously. You don't have to do that. <laughs> you really don't. I mean, if I ask you to do something, my gosh, you come back the following week and say, I did my homework and I've got my stuff here. Bless your heart. No, you don't have to do that. Oh, that's all right. I'm, I'm kind of curious myself. I I just figured it was uh, that she either owned the character or, you know, it's a deal where she splits the money, you know, between all the parties. But they, she was telling tonight the first time she and Carol, like, you know, got in character as Eunice and uh, Mama. Eunice mm -hmm. was the daughter on the Carol Burnett show in the in the family skits, and uh, they were both in the restrooms, uh, in the restroom, and they kind of just fell into the character. Carol was asking Vicky for a role. Of toilet paper, and uh, <laughs> I'll get it to you when I'm done with it. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how these things sometimes just happen? Oh, that's funny. So, but uh, yeah, it, I would highly recommend it. She, I don't think I think she's going into New York now for one visit, and uh, I, I met her after words and got her signature and I uh -huh. told her, thank you for coming to Kentucky. I know it's not on the beaten path, but uh, she was very gracious and I got her signature. I had her sign my ticket stuff. So, she was oh. very fun. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. How long does it take you to drive from your home to Renfro Valley? About, about two hours. Well, that's an acceptable distance. Oh, yes. Uh, I went down last year to see Ray Stevens. And I remember that. Yes, and next month I think I may uh, go down and see Roy Clark. He'll be down <gasps> here in concert. Oh, he is good. He is one heck of a banjo picker. Have you seen him in concert? No. Oh, I don't okay. go anywhere. Walden has to get me out. I need in, to fact, go in, in fact, I got the message for Roy Clark on his, on his office number a couple of weeks ago, so probably he's on the road. Because I would love to get him on the show. I remember just growing up watching him on Hee Haw, you know. Oh, absolutely. He's, know. Uh, I think he's 81 now. He's... They just don't stop. How old, don't is Vic, stop. how old is Vicki Lawrence? Uh, I think, well, she said next, let's see. Her and her husband, who was her and Al Schultz, they met in on the Carol Burnett show. Uh, he was the makeup man on the Carol Burnett show, and she said they will. I think they've been married thirty nine years. So didn't the Carol Burnett show start in the sixties, guys? I'm trying. I'm trying to put a time frame. I believe Carol Burnett's show started in nineteen sixty seven. Yeah. Because I remember it was still going strong in the mid-70s. Yeah. And I believe it ran 10 or 11 seasons. I think it ended in 78. 
So I have to look up how old Vicki Lawrence is. Well, right? wasn't there a spinoff? No, 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 no. I think Vicki Lawrence, uh, I think she's 58. 58? And she's been married 39 years? Okay. No joke? I think so. Yeah, 19. Is she married at 19? Wow. Hold on. Hmm. Wasn't, didn't Alice or... The, wasn't that the spinoff? Did that those show come off of Carol Burnett? I'm trying to remember what was the spinoff show. Alice was uh, based on the movie uh, Alice doesn't live here anymore. You're talking about the Linda Lavin show. I'm trying to think. Whatever the, I'm trying to think. What was the spinoff? You know, from one comedy TV show to another. And maybe mm. maybe I'm thinking something else. Yeah, she's um, 64. Do what now? 64. She's 64. She's 64, okay. Okay. So she never I take it she... how old she was tonight, but, uh, well, I mean, that's acceptable. I mean, 64, you know, 79 is the new 30, so. <laughs> there you go. The new 39. You're funny. She, um, obviously, she does not look 64 if you are surprised that... She's she's got that many years. Yes, yes. Um, you know. Is Carol Burnett doing anything now? Uh, she's uh, on his commercial. You know, she's peddling Carol's favorite, you know, uh, shows from the uh, from the TV show uh-huh. episodes from the TV show, mm-hmm. um, and they're quite entertaining. Um, there was a move to get Carol Burnett on Saturday Night Live about just after Betty White was on Saturday Night Live, but I guess that has did not, you know, come to fruition. But uh, I think Carol Burnett. Well, let be, us be. Huh? I think Patricia. Like, I think, I think she's like she doing some voiceover work. I think Patricia. Do, I think Patricia's doing some background check. I bet she is. That's just kind of personal. Yeah, she is. Boy, you know, I could make a good pop. Um, she did play one. She is Penny in Hot in Cleveland. That's Betty White's show, correct? Yeah, yeah that's Betty White's yeah. show. So she did one show there, All My Children. She had several. Um, she's Mrs. Johnson and Verla Grubbs, whoever that is. Um Glee, I don't know what Glee is, Secret World of Arietti. Glee is the big hit show on Fox, you know, with the high schoolers and, oh gosh, Glee, they, they've been going on. I don't think they're quite that popular now, but uh, Glee was the big hit show where they were doing all the old, uh, all the old tunes, you know. Uh, okay. On Fox, Glee. Okay. I don't get all the stations. Maybe I don't, you know. I mean, I don't think I don't think it's a I don't think it's a station I would look for. I mean, not a station, but a a program. I don't think I would say, "Oh, goody, Glee is on tonight." I don't know it. Well, let's see. What is it? Don't go away. What is it is coming up? <laughs> the next question is how old Carol Burnett? Is she older than Vicky? Oh, yeah. Carol Burnett is older than Vicky. Um, she was saying tonight that when she met uh, 
Carol was pregnant with, I believe that probably the daughter that died, mm. Carrie. Mm. And uh, Carol met her at a fireman's ball in, actually at Hollywood Park. Oh. Yes, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, they were, yeah. And they turned that down this year. Yeah, I heard that they were. It, yeah. I that they're no longer, uh, you know, uh, going to have races out nope. there. Are they turning that into a development? Yep, they're turning all the property worth too much, so they're going to turn that all to development areas now. Yeah, I heard that. That's a shame because yep. uh, that was quite a place for the horse you, racing industry. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, are you far from Hollywood Park? An hour away. Oh really? We're close. We're closer. We're closer to San We're about 40 minutes away from there, and now they're at Del Mar. You know the the race track that Bing Crosby and Powell Bryan built, and that's about an hour and a half away. And so, it's where the famous song "Where the Surf Meet the Turf" at Old Del Mar. Hmm. That was the famous song that. So every day at 2 o'clock, you can hear Bing Crosby singing over the intercom system with the race track. Good. Wow, that's yep. pretty neat. Yep. Carol Burnett was 80 years old in April. Wow. 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 Amazing. Well, with Mary Tyler Moore, is Mary Tyler Moore older than, right? Older than Carol Burnett? Yeah. Oh, okay, wait a minute. Okay, I'm, I'm hearing her doing commercials now. Is she? Yeah. Oh. Um, 1930, no, she's 76. She's a couple of years younger. Huh. Vicky, Vicky said as a teen she wanted to be uh, Mary Tyler Moore, but then everyone kept saying, you look so much like Carol Burnett, that she just kind of gave in to it. Wow. Mary Tyler Moore does not look good. She didn't oh. age well. Well, that's not really true. I mean, if you're survived, you've aged. <laughs> if you're alive, you have aged well. I, I think she's had diabetes so yeah. bad. Um, she, I guess she's she's a juvenile diabetic also, and um, you know she had she had a rough time. She had a rough life. You know what she started out as in broadcasting? Well, she was the uh, hot point site, oh. wasn't she? I would say a weather girl. Before all that. What? She was a page at the radio station. So in other words, you it, the audience, you'd be the one ushering the audience in. Oh, okay. It was, it was, it really was. Okay, I got it. Yeah. I'm a little slow tonight. No, you're doing great. <laughs> no, I just found that, I just found that out a few weeks ago. From I a, can usually look at a couple of pages and listen to you at the same time, and I'm not doing well. You're doing great. Well, you're, 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 you're a little poopy too, tired, you know. You're doing fine. Yes, I am. I'm going to bed, everybody. Good night, producer. And I looked up Doctor yeah. Who, by the way. Yeah. And one of the actors is leaving Doctor Who, okay. but I can't find anything that says the show is ending. Okay. Well, isn't another long-term English show called The Archers? I don't know. Okay. Dan? But you know more about this than I do. The, the, I don't know nothing. You do more than The English show called The Archers? The Archers, yeah. I've heard of the title. That's about all I know, though. How come... If you know who they are, 
We have to look stuff up. Uh, because I want to make sure you have something to do. The <laughs> <laughs> the archers. The now, with archers. Doctor Who, don't they normally just have a different incarnation of the uh, good doctor? Oh, I don't know. I've never watched one episode of the series, but I think so. I think it's one of those shows that keeps rolling along, even though the actors leave. <laughs> it's loading. It's loading. We're, we're just demanding so much of this poor little computer tonight. Let me see. The Archers. The Archers. Today, at 1900 on the BBC. Um... Latest episode doesn't, I don't see anything about it ending, which doesn't mean anything. It just means I see a long-running British radio soap opera. Um, yeah, I think, I, it's the, I think it's the longest show out there, 60-some-odd years or something. 1951, January yeah. 1st, 1951. The Archers. They were all talking about it in present tense. Mm -hmm. So it looks like it's still here for us. Oh, right. <laughs> this is great. Even none of us knew what it was, but <laughs> hooray that it's here. <laughs> Gee whiz. Are we hot tonight or what? So what's been happening up there? I'm really glad about the Vicki Lawrence concert. Did she sing? Did you say she sang also? She sang her one hit. She sang, you know, The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Uh-huh. And that was the one and, song that she did? Uh, she sang, uh, she wrote words to the theme to Mama's Family, and she sang that. That was, oh, it was okay. I can see why they made it just an instrumental. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You're good. Is that called a backward compliment, a backward compliment doing that? I don't even think it was a compliment. <laughs> um, let me see. What would a backward compliment be? A backward compliment is when somebody walks up to you and says, gosh, that's a great dress. I've always liked it. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh -huh. Ooh, not a good thing to say. Uh -huh. Not a good thing to say. Or, that is a fabulous shirt. I saw it on the rack at Kmart. <laughs> Let, yeah, you know stuff that that's a left-handed compliment. Yeah. Let let me elaborate on my earlier comment. Um, for time's sake, uh, the words were a bit. It, the words told an interesting story, but I don't believe you'd want to hear a three-minute interesting story as the lead into every program. Oh, good grief! No. Yes. That's why they had 15 seconds of things like that. You know, it, it wasn't as it wasn't as timely and concise as say Green Acres. You mm -hmm. know, you didn't mind hearing Green Acres every week. You know. Well, let's face it. We we went through a whole period of our life where TV theme songs were sung. Oh, I, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, Went up through, uh, you know, like the 1980s. Uh-huh. But not three know, minutes, first. Huh? Three minutes is a long time when you're sitting there. I mean, even the, the um, record albums, 
aren't aren't recorded for a full three minutes. The the songs aren't. They're usually like yeah. two forty, two thirty five. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of words. That's right. But uh, you know, what was the, what was the story that she tried to tell? The story was uh, well. The the name of the song is "Bless This Happy Home," I believe. The, "Bless This Happy Home" or "Bless My Happy Home." And mm-hmm. she just went into you know a little about three different scenarios in the song, and you know the chorus was "Bless My Happy Home" and. You know, when you're begging for, for the end, it's writing. too long. <laughs> what now? When you're begging for the end, it's too long. Well, you know, it was a great effort, and you know, <laughs> I could see where you play it once a year. <laughs> I'm switch. sorry, Dan. It just struck me funny. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yes. Okay. That's something that you get back from a publisher. You know, it was a great effort. Don't call us again. Uh, uh, well, uh, so no, so you grade a paper. Well, your penmanship was very good and it was very clean and very. very... There you go. There you go. <laughs> good stuff. No, I'm no. I'm very sorry. I I interrupted you. No, so, I think so there were good. there were little vignettes of what life was supposed to have been at Mama's house? Yes, absolutely, it was. And I would not be critical for a show that has no theme song. There is no Walton and Patricia theme song. No, there isn't, but we're, we're, we're going to have an intro. We're working on something. What, what would right. you think, what, what do you think would be an appropriate theme song for us? Yes, we have no banana. Yes. <laughs> but we do. <laughs> oh, but we do. I don't know. We, we sing We Ain't Got a Bucket of Money once in a while, but we'll travel along singing a song side by, by, by side. Hey, <laughs> I think we need to hit the record studio. Yeah, I agree. Capitol uh, Records is always open. They're looking for new talent. Walden. I think we're kind of a stretch, you know. I think you're underestimating your beautiful voice. I think they know. I think they know. I look. Yes. I think they should sign. We can do voiceover work. We can do that. I know, but I know. I just know, Patricia. Yes, well. They should sign you right away. Yes. Because and I I, and I we all know they sell some records. Each each member of the family each buys five apiece. There you go. Well, that'll take care of us until Monday. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Right, um, Dan, would you please tell me about the inside of the Renfro Valley? Is this the barn or the theater? This is what they call the new barn. The new barn. Yes. Okay, tell me about it. Yes. Well, let me see now. I was sitting in row L, uh, seat 101. And I believe they have at least uh, 24 rows. And, um, you know, it's a very modern... What color with the seat? What now? What color with the seat? Oh, what color with the seat? Uh, Where I was, they were orange of all colors. Orange, okay. 
orange. And uh, you walk in, and there is a um, ticket window off to the back of the entrance, and then there is a uh, concession uh, stand up there. We go up and buy soda and popcorn and hot dogs and just about anything you want, you know, for a snack. And um, they have a balcony. You can go up and sit in the balcony. And, you know, the stage is up there in front. It's uh, It looks like a barn, you know, with the uh, old-time wood up there. But mm-hmm. In the back, they've got the sound system. And, um, you know, it, it's a real nice place. You the stage is elevated? The stage is elevated, yes, it is. And, you know, this is, uh, that is where, um, you know, the Renfro Valley radio program has been recorded for, gosh, what, 80-some years? In the new barn. Oh. Well, uh, you know, it's not in the new barn. There's another building there uh, where they have the gathering meetings, mm-hmm. the gathering shows. Oh, okay, I'm not disappointed now. I've always envisioned when I hear the Renfro Valley radio show, which for our listeners is broadcast on Yesterday USA, really is an enchanting and charming show. I really like it. I've got this vision of just a down-home country location for the radio show. When you're there at Renfro Valley, you look around and you're you look like you're riding the Smoky Mountains. Uh, well, you're on the upper edges of the Smoky Mountains. You're uh-huh. about you're about two hours from Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. Because when you get off the interstate, you know when you get on the interstate, you're looking for you know heading north on 75. You're heading toward Lexington. When you're heading south, it's labeled for uh, Knoxville. And Naples. What now? And Naples. I-75. Yeah, I-75 runs south through Naples, and then it takes a sharp left and goes over to Miami. Well, there you go. You need to just get on I-75 and drive right up here. And just keep going and drive right into the barn. That's right. That's right. Watch out for the cars from Michigan. They drive like nuts. Oh, my goodness. Oh, our Michigan listeners. You know, Michigan people make left turns from the right lane. You know, I mean, they're accustomed in in some of the, the farm country areas. Drivers will make wide turns because they're accustomed to doing that in farm country. Except we're not in farm country. And, you know, everybody who shows up here brings with them a whole set of driving skills that don't necessarily always go together well, you know? That's right. Like California drivers are different from New York, and they're different from Michigan, and so on. When you put them all together in the same road pot, woohoo! How about that? I don't know it. I don't. <laughs> What's your answer for the question? Oh, my goodness. Oh, you folks are. All right. We I, asked I about was, I was Gerald. wondering if you had found the name. No. I know what it is. I know. Walden knows what it is. Well? But 
but nobody, well, I'm not going to tell you. It's one of our trivia questions. Well, I'll look it up on the Internet. You know, you're not the only one that can do that. <laughs> boy, you're getting pretty feisty. You send that boy out for an evening of entertainment, and he comes home. Look at what happens here. All right, let me see here. <laughs> All right. Philip, Connie, Osgood, and Walter. What show did those characters belong to? That would be Armis Brooks. That would be correct. You've done good. Yes, how about that? I know, I know. And let me see, what else did, did um, Ron say he was sending? Penny Singleton, you knew that. Yeah. He was sending something else. What was he sending, Walden? Um, I mean, the news shows. He has a whole bunch of old news shows. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one, but a bunch of them. Let me see what Dan's got here. We sent you that. We sent you that. We sent you that. Sent you that. Sent you that. Sent you that. Okay. All right. Gary Owen's special report. I haven't looked for that one yet. Okay. What would you like me to add to this? Heaven help me. This list. <laughs> You're going to have to drive that right up to I-75 and deliver it in person. Uh -huh. <laughs> I know. We well, had a pretty big envelope the last time. I sure did. I sure did. It was really uh, nice to get that in the mail. So, well, have you found anything recently? Have you? I haven't been hunting around. And let me, I suppose, let me see. I should do this before... I even get on the air on Saturdays to see, I don't even have my my flash drives plugged in. I should plug in my flash drives and let you know what I've located. Um, we're just going to have to wait on that one. Oh, that's fine. Well, then what, what are the new things that I've gotten? Do you do you remember my saying, oh, goody, look what I found? I don't want to be Calvin I thought. Say that again, please. I thought no more HV Calvin that will probably be coming from... Oh, I did find Kelton Bourne, didn't I? Mm -hmm. you're, yeah, you're, I you're, you are in a search for Walter Winchell right now. There you go, Dan. Find some Walter Winchell, Patricia Neeson. Oh, I found some Walter Winchell. I just didn't find the 1953 Walter Winchells. Dan, find the 1953 Walter Winchell for Patricia. I found the television broadcast, but not the simulcast. Mm. Okay. We'll do okay with them. <laughs> Did he have the same program on radio and TV for a time? Yes. Okay. So, kind of like Groucho then. Kind of like Groucho then, yes. You bet your good. life. You your bet life. your life. Mm -hmm. All right, hey, so. Well, so. I'll take a little Walter Winchell. How about that? Will that make you. You would uh, like a little Walter Winchell. We can give yeah. you a little Walter Winchell. Okay. Walter will love having a new home. Uh, Walden, uh, I was on the uh, New York Times newspaper site today. There's a story in there about um, how the videotape from the 1970s, how it's deteriorating, and they're trying to get it converted before it gets unplayable. Yeah. Uh, did you see that story? No, I haven't, but... Um, I'm not totally surprised. Is it, is it the 
is it the glue is starting to evaporate? You know the the well, the week. They said they're uh, actually. I think they said. Well, I'm pretty sure the wording was they're baking the videotapes at 130 degrees yeah, to get them to re-adhere to the, the the magnetic tape to yep. the uh, to the backing. I guess. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yes. That's a process but, uh, they use in audio. I did not know they did video. And basically, when you do that, you get one play and then you're done, and you have to rebuild. About it. what happened? Yep. Yeah. And then, am I also correct? You can also freeze the tape. I don't know how. No, you can do that when a hard drive goes down. You get one chance at that as well. If you okay. really, if your hard drive is just absolutely trashed and you know that you're not going to get anything out of it, you can put it in the freezer. Yeah. And when you take it out of the freezer after it's been there for a while, it really has to be frozen up. You put it into your equipment immediately and work like a rabbit because when it goes down, that's the only chance you'll get ever for anything. So you work with it as it's frozen? Frozen. You take it out, put it in your computer immediately, and when it starts defrosting, you don't get anything more out of it. Like I learned that from a guru up in Massachusetts, of all places. It's like a frozen banana. Yeah, except I've never had one of them either. <laughs> Boy, I need to get out more, Walden. You have to help me here. You know, I thought you were the inventor of some type of the two of us. You've eaten more food than I have. It's, you know, variety of stuff, but, you know. But apparently not the right stuff. I guess not. I guess not. So, well, with the um, with the tapes and the film, I, I would guess the tapes are melting. They, they would disintegrate and glue themselves together. Actually, I believe it's moisture is getting into the tape, so it's flaking off the uh, the metal. Oh. You know, it's it's basically just uh, eroding the tapes. You know, with yeah. moisture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. And tape was one of those that was going to last forever. Oh, absolutely. Well, just like our CDs, but yeah. You know. Our CDs are but, going to last for a hundred years, but they didn't tell us that. You take 10 and multiply it by 10 years, <laughs> and you've got your 100 years, dear me. So, Well, okay, I will um, squirrel up some Walter Winchell for you and get them in your envelope. All right, sounds great. Well, great. I'll let you all get on with your evening, your morning, or whatever it may be. Almost Or morning. whatever. Yeah, it's the whatever. Yeah, it's almost there. Almost there. Almost there. Um, yeah, another please. another thirty seconds or so, and Walden will be in the morning with me. Absolutely, it's coming on here pretty quickly. And I, yeah, I, I, expect, I expect Patricia to sing that famous famous morning song. What? Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh right. Mm, I don't think so. I don't like that song. What? You don't? I'm so sorry. See, you don't take me out often enough, yeah, and look uh, what happens. You know, I need to get you some going culture. <laughs> some class and culture, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, right, 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 and heart, you know, my gosh, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, I mean, and you just you just can't get class out of some Okay, well, well, you know. Yeah. What about the song Oklahoma? No. Have you ever seen the musical? Yes. Okay. Ask me if I liked it. I, I'm thinking I've seen the two songs go down the drain with Patricia. <laughs> you got a good clue. <laughs> 
Actually, you know what you might like? Yeah. It's the story behind the story, how that thing was all put together. I don't want to hear it. So I saw him put a great, put a great hour CD about it. Good stuff. All right. Did right. we, did we hang up from Dan? Dan? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to every word. I know. Okay. Well, we're saying good night. Because <laughs> it's three o'clock. We finally made it to morning with Walden. So, well, Dan, thank you for the information about Renfro Valley. It really sounds like a charming place. Are you gonna, to are, when we come this. to see you, Dan, are you going to take us there? We'll, we'll do that. Okay. We'll put it on the big town. We'll put it on, hey, it'll be a big night out of town. You're going cool. to come up here. You're going to have to come up here and do a... A, a, a remote. A remote, yes. A remote from downtown Corden, Indiana. You know, I just got thinking we could do a play-by-play -play of, the, of the reenactment. We sure could. You know. I, I've, I've got five hours of CDs. You got the we, script? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get that off. out of... You're going to get that in circulation you, yet. You know, you know, Dan. You can give me the script, and uh, and uh, I we can have Patricia do play by play, and I can do code commentary. It would be a smash hit. You know, there's just not too much dialogue in the thing. It's mostly horse whinnies, you know, cannon blasts, and the wait a minute, wait a minute, shots. Dan. Did you ever be want to become a sound effect man? Well, you know, I, I yes, uh, a foley guy. I, I think you can do, can you do a horse wedding? Good night, Dan. We've got probably a background noise here. Good night, Dan. See what you made me do. Oh, Dan, will you have yourself a wonderful week? All right, you too. Oh, all right. Thanks. All okay. right. Good night. Bye-bye. <laughs> Yes, thank you, everybody. Patricia and I will be doing play-by-play -play of a oh, reenactment. I you have volunteered me for this. Well, I... I, 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 what? You know, you haven't done it yet, so you don't know. No, that's right. I haven't. So I can't, I can't say no. I don't like it because I don't know yet. So, let's see. so I have to take you to the Broadway show Oklahoma one time. No, we don't. Uh, no, we really don't. What else would you like me not to do? We're going, let's see, we're, we're going to the Super Bowl, if I can ever afford it, right? No, we won't. Okay. <laughs> what else am I not going to do? <laughs> this is getting painful. Oh, what? I don't ever want you to be in pain. Football would put me in pain, yes, mm -hmm. indeed. Indeed. Oh, I which think, I think which you, stadium is rolling around for Super Bowl this year? Oh, can you believe it? You haven't heard? No. You know, traditionally the Super Bowl been playing warm weather. You know, like in Florida and California. You know, that's where they always, they, you know, choose a really warm climate to play. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. What warm city? Detroit! No, um, Philadelphia. What, what, what warm city did they play outdoors in this year? Philadelphia. No. Um, not Denver. Oh, Denver's a dome. I don't know. New outdoors. They're playing in New York City. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the cold weather and everything? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, 
it even rains at that time of the year Correct. up there. Can you imagine? Can you imagine oh, all the corporate executives paying $3,000 a ticket and sitting out there? In the freezing cold. <laughs> oh, Walden, how? Who? Why? Yeah, this I is know. over in, in the Meadowlands we're talking about? Yeah, or, or, or maybe, well, you know, it's either in the Meadowlands or, or you know, they got those new stadiums. I don't know if they're playing in, in the old baseball team. My, my guess would be the Meadowlands, but, you know, they... Wow. Oh, my. Oh, somebody didn't do good here. Well, I guess the NFL and everybody wanted to be in New York City, even though everybody thought the weather could be a problem. The weather could be a problem. Some bright soul said that out loud. <laughs> And you're trying to tell me that all of these sports encounters yeah. are tests of mental agility. Oh, look. I promise if you and I attend that Super Bowl game in your living room, okay, well, watch the game from your comfort of your living room. I think this is a good thing. I don't... This is a good idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can watch it. I'll make the snacks. Yeah, you know what? Yeah. The Super Bowl, that'd be fine. I'll, I can have it on the radio. I'd rather talk to you anyway. So Thank you. You know. But we'll have one ear plugged in for you. <laughs> no, no. That's what you have long, two ears for. Long, one for me and one for you. Yeah, as long as you feed me, I don't care. See, you're so easy to take care of. This is good. Yeah, yeah. This you, is good. Yeah. And you have to tell your mom I'm, I'm a really easy guest. Oh, well, you know you're loved here, so you, 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 you can easily move in. You know that. I think there might come a point where you could say, I could easily move out. No. Patricia, there's the door. No, this is a, this is a very easy family. Yeah, I know. You, you folks are just so laid back. Well, yeah. Well, really, there's, only, there's, really only, there's only one interesting, interesting thing about this family. There's always somebody awake 24 hours a day. That's right. You know, you could you could all manage in one bed. <laughs> one is always up and another one is always down. down. Yeah. You could just rotate in the yeah. bedroom. Yeah. So <clears throat> you only need a one-bedroom home. Actually, that's how we sort of do it when we have company. Cause uh-huh. we, uh My kids, a lot of time my brother works at night. So a lot of times the guests will wait till 9 o'clock and go to bed in my bedroom. <laughs> that's what we do a lot. <laughs> Sleep in shifts. Uh-huh. Oh, that's funny. That's what we do. Oh, wow. Okay, let me give you the freebies before I can't give you freebies anymore. Okay, IHOP, the International House of Pancakes. It says, by joining, meaning you have to sign up, Mm -hmm. you will be the first to receive exclusive offers from your favorite IHOP. I don't know where first to receive comes from. Yeah, I don't know. A free meal just for signing up, and it's a free meal on your birthday. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. A free meal just for signing up on your birthday and on your one-year anniversary of joining the Pancake Revolution. So you get three free meals just for signing up. Wait a minute. Three or two? Three. It says just for signing up, comma, Mm -hmm. on your birthday, comma, and on your one-year anniversary. So in other words, if we sign up on your birthday, do we get... Do we get two yeah. free meals on that day? You should, according to this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like we have a new caller, yeah. and they get a free, a freebie, and if they answer a question, they get radio shows on top of that. Sure, mm-hmm. that should be right. Okay. So you get three 
free IHOPs just for signing up. I think this is a pretty good deal. Yeah. And I did copy the website. If you would like the website, I will send it. Or if you'd like me to sign you up, I'd be happy to do that too. Okay, Firehouse Subs. You don't even have to sign up for anything. You just show an ID. That's what it says. Hmm. Wait a minute. Let's email you a reminder. So if you don't drive, that's pretty tough, right? I, uh, yeah. Well, it says ID. Yeah. So it doesn't say driver's license. It just says ID. Show ID with your birth date on your birthday, and you'll get a free medium sub, which is a pretty cool deal. A medium sub is pretty sizable. So I think it's nice that they ask you to prove that it's your birthday. <laughs> but it's not. you don't have to sign up for anything. You can just show up. So that's good. Okay, and then we have Denny's. You sign up at Denny's. I don't even think you have to sign up. You get a free Grand Slam breakfast. Now, I have never had a Grand Slam breakfast. Have you ever, I may. Have you ever hmm? eaten at Denny's? Yes, I have. We've got a couple of them around La here. Ladies and gentlemen, um, I'm yes? just wanting to announce that our Patricia has gotten out. She's <laughs> gone to Denny's. Not recently, but she's gone. <laughs> um, it's out closer to the airport than it is to me, which is not very far. I mean, the airport isn't terribly far away. So the next time Barbara comes in, you can go have Denny's on, on Barbara, right? Yes, and as a matter of fact, that was the last time I was there. <laughs> <laughs> when the two of us were, well, I picked her up at the airport, and we stopped at Denny's. There you go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Am I allowed to say they had awful coffee? Yes. Oh, God, it was terrible. It wasn't Starbucks quality. It it was not quality, period. I don't know what happened. Well, you know, but... you know good coffee, they can burn the water, right? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it was bad enough that... When I got to the cash register, especially since it was like four dollars and fifty cents worth for two cups, I mean, it was really—it was—it was almost like buying coffee in Starbucks. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, it was close to four. It was about four dollars for two cups of coffee, and I said you couldn't drink it, and she gave me my money back. You know, I mean, four dollars is four dollars. I mean, that's almost a sub. That's true. Five dollar yeah. sub at. at um, Subway? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Indeed. Okay. Grand Slam. Just don't order the coffee. You can have, you, you build your own. You can have four items. Mm. And here are the items. Bacon, mm -hmm. buttermilk biscuit, buttermilk pancakes, eggs, English muffin, grits, hash brown, oatmeal, sausage, toast, Turkey bacon, <clears throat> fit fare options include chicken sausage patty, egg whites, hearty wheat pancakes, premium items such as grilled ham, seasonal fruit, and yogurt. You can pick four of any of that okay, so and what, get it what, free on your birthday. What, hmm? what, what would be your four choices? Well, we can forget the pancakes. I don't like pancakes. I'm sorry, Bob. I don't like pancakes. Yeah. Um, I would have for tonight. <laughs> tonight. Yeah. Bacon. And you get two eggs, by the way. So I would have bacon and two eggs over medium and grits and fruit. Okay. Okay. I have the eggs. Mhm. Mm 
that hash browns. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Sausage or bacon or ham? Ham and sausage, probably, right now. Both of them? Mm -hmm. We are in a meaty mood. Okay. Yeah, I'm right now. Okay. No, no, no. I like the. Is it. What kind of biscuit is it? We've got a buttermilk biscuit. Yeah, I think I skip the sausage and go for buttermilk biscuit. Okay. okay. We can have that coming right up. Alrighty. No pancakes. No pancakes? When's the last time you ever eaten a pancake? When I had to. That's a long time ago. A long time ago. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. I don't like pancakes. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Did you ever like pancake when you were a little Todd? Um, I I don't remember having them when I was a little kid. How about waffles? Um, did you like waffles? I didn't have waffles either when I was a little kid. But even when you're a big kid, did you ever try a waffle? When I was when I was a big kid, yeah, I eat waffles. I like waffles. Okay. I don't like pancakes, but I can't tell you why. I know why. Why? Waffle has holes in them. I like the holes in waffles because yeah. you can get your syrup in there and yep. it gets all nice and filled up. Yep, yep. I, that's On a why. pancake, it just goes it just and falls off. It slides off. Yeah, it falls yeah. off. Yeah. 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 So, okay, so I still have two Elliot Lewis books, his number two and number three. And, and I guess inform everybody, volume four, five, and six are not coming, so... uh this is it. Seven, eight, and nine aren't either. <laughs> <laughs> he wrote nine, and I have stuck with him for three. And bless Elliot Lewis, I love him to pieces. You know how much I love Elliot Lewis. Yes. He ain't no writer. Ah! Um, I, when I say, you know, that's not really, that, that's a terrible thing to say. It, it's just not the best reading I've ever had. Um, it's probably not second best either. But, you know, he, but he did make a run that's a good radio writer and adapting things in radio and TV. I know, I know. This was really out of his element. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I, I said it, I guess, at the beginning of the show, it wasn't just to you, that when he got to the end of the book, yeah. it it was like, he had to stuff everything in an envelope in the final chapter and say, oh, thank goodness it's over with. It was like it became a chore. The, the longer I got into a book, the less colorful it was and wound up settling for some really common phrases. You know, I'm, I'll use needle in a haystack as an example. It might have even been in there. But certainly a creative writer can come up with something a little more creative than, gosh, it was as hard as a needle in a haystack. Could, could it have been, I was just thinking, because, you know, he died in 1990, 73, and he, mm -hmm. write, he wrote within the last, you know, the 80s on his books. Correct. Could he have been just tired because all the work, so he just didn't have the energy oh. to, to really put in the proper effort into it? Well... If that was the case, and it certainly could have been, if that was the case, he started out tired. Mm -hmm. The first one he wrote was in 1980. Right. And um, it hasn't improved. No, I, th I think three books is enough. 
that's a good that's a good shot. I mean, you know, I didn't stop halfway through and read three cover to cover. And you know why? Because you love Elliot Lewis, you gave it a shot. If, oh. it, if it wasn't Elliot Lewis, you probably would have quit. On if, it, if it weren't Elliot Lewis, I would have stopped <laughs> before I got to number two. Yep. You're right. Yep. You're right. Yep. Well, he had a million talents. Now, I'm, I'm not being critical here because it takes a huge amount of work and effort to sit down and write a book. And he did. He wrote nine of them. And, um, oh my gosh. To have me sit here and say, ah, it wasn't as good as Lawrence Block. <laughs> and I don't think it is. Well, we know one thing. We, Lawrence was not as good an actor as Elliot Lewis. Um, he's really funny, though, Lawrence Block. He is funny. Yeah. I talked with him one time. They, they lived here mm-hmm. um, oh, probably not more than a year or two. Mm-hmm. And they had a big house on, on the beach. I was doing an article about beachfront living, why people chose particular, maybe it was just why you chose a particular place in southwest Florida, and I thought, oh, this would be really great. Larry, why are you, (laughs) what do you love about the beach? He said, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why did you buy here? What is it that you like about living here? He said, Nothing. <laughs> Larry, you got to help me here. <laughs> I can't help you. You're going to have to go to somebody else. <laughs> Even his wife. I'll tell you. It was, it was too funny. So, anyway, talked with his wife. She said, talk to Larry. <laughs> oh, they were so funny. He really was. And he had this kind of... Uh, it's hard for me to find the correct word for it. Just kind of... um. A Midwest, it's sort of a... Uh, no, they came down from the village, from, it, from Greenwich Village. They lived in Greenwich Village and then moved oh, to the beach. Oh, nah. I thought, wow, you yeah, know? Yeah. And he just kind of laid back, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to describe. It's like a Midwestern laid back deal. It, it, but, it, I mean, out of Greenwich Village, you'd expect people to, to wind up on coffee and go to bed on coffee. Uh-huh. You know? He just kind of moped through the day. <laughs> Such a hoot. He was really a neat guy. He is a neat guy. I guess he's still writing. Fun person. fun per- And a great writer. He really is a great writer and prolific. He used to tell people that he would plan a book in his head and then check into a motel for a weekend and write it. I don't think so, Larry. That's a great story. But <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It sure sounds like the Rex Stout deal. Yeah. Well, he worked outside for the whole year, and then during the winter, he just get the story down on paper. Sure. During the winter, that would be fine. Mm -hmm. If he had a couple of weeks or a month in a hotel or motel and did it, that would be fine, but not a weekend. So, and that was secondhand. He didn't say that to me, so I don't even know if he actually said that. So, but good guy, Lawrence Block. If you like detective type stories, Lawrence Block, good guy. Um. And I said that even before I met him. Well, Mom loves Michael Conway, so that's another detective series for you to uh look at. I know we've got a really lot of good stuff out there. I mean, just the entertaining stuff. Oh yeah. I call it brain candy. It makes your brain smile. Mm -hmm. You just have a good time. Mm -hmm. All right, Winnie the Pooh. Pooh Bear. Pooh Bear. 
when looking at your two paws, as soon as you have decided which one of them is the right one, then you can be sure that the other one is the left one. That's a very smart bear. Very smart bear. Very, <laughs> he's very intellectual. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Um, all right. Some people talk to animals. Not many of them listen, and that's the problem. <laughs> Good old Pooh. I love Pooh. Mm -hmm. Let me see. Rabbit is clever, said Pooh thoughtfully. Yes, said Piglet. Rabbit is clever. And he has a brain. Yes, said Piglet. Rabbit has a brain. There was a long silence. I suppose, said Pooh, that's why he never understands anything. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. We know people like that. Yes, yes, yes. We know people like that. That's true. Okay, what else would you like? We've got superstitions. We've got a list of old stuff from Bob in Wisconsin. He sent a bunch of old stuff. And people were supposed to say, oh, yeah, I remember that. And as I said, we've got superstitions. We've got your Walden questions. And we've got... Um, we've got useless but fun. We've got all sorts of stuff. What would you like? Should we do our trivia now? For you? Sure. Yeah, let's do them. All right. Let me see here. Stump Walden. Okay. Adventures of the Abbots. The detective show? Yep. Sort of. Yep. What were the first names of the Abbots? John. Hello there, caller. You know the answer? Uh, no, I don't. You don't? I didn't hear the question. Hang on a second. Well, yeah, i got to turn the volume down. Okay. Okay. I don't know, Patricia. What's the answer? I don't know either. Sure. I didn't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hold on. <laughs> you two talk for a minute while I look for the answer that I should have had here anyway. Oh, Who are we talking with? Paul. Hi, Paul. Oh, hi, Paul. Didn't sound like hi. you. Pardon me? But uh, it didn't sound like you. Like you just woke up. Well, I, I just uh, had to turn turn down my uh, pillow speaker that I just started using this week. And how's it working out? It's working good. It's working good. I could uh, actually, I could turn it loud enough so I don't have to have my ear on it. You know, I could turn it down low enough so I could uh, just lay on it. I took out the, uh, took it out of the cushion uh, so it could be thin, and I just put it underneath my pillow cover. Not bad. Yep. And I wrapped the cord around the top of the pillow so I could have it like just stay in just the right position. Right. Because I, my bed tilted up usually. Sure. Sure. Man, man, I've been out of it today. I just, my wife woke me up to say goodnight. I fell asleep somewhere around 1 o'clock, and I, I just been asleep until about an hour ago. So, so you're you, all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You got all the sleep that Patricia and I didn't get. Yes. <laughs> you got it for both of us. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So I just came in about the horse whinnies. <laughs> Good entry point. Good yeah, point to come yeah, in. Yeah, we we were, uh, we were trying 
We were trying out a new sound effect person. That's not what we were doing. I, I heard fired. someone from Florida. Yeah, I know. I know. She Patric got fired before she got hired. Do that oh. horse. Do the horse seat again, Patricia. <laughs> yep, I think you can make it. You can make it. Patricia. <laughs> Patricia. <laughs> Patricia, you can become a star. With that talent, you can make, I can make a star out of you with that kind of talent. Oh, that's oh, that good? That's good. You know, that's how they—that used how they used to do the old ranger before they before they got to the coconut shells. How did they do? They they flapped their sides. Really? Yeah. Oh, so I could have made it, huh? Uh huh. I'm a little late. You know, you know, you know who started out doing horse wingies on the on the old ranger? <laughs> oh. Who, who whinnied on the Lone Ranger? <laughs> what a show tonight. Who whinnied on the Lone Ranger? Had a pretty good career after that. But we know that was the highlight of his career, being a horse whinnie on the Lone Ranger. Mr. Ed. No, that's pretty good. Pretty good. I, I do not know. Danny Thomas. That was the highlight of his career? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Did he really do it? Yes, yeah. He he, he was he was he started he did sound effects on the Lone Ranger doing horse winnings for a while. How old was he? Dude? Oh gosh, I would say probably I think he was born in nineteen twenty two, maybe younger than that, but uh, older than that. But uh, he he did it on, in nineteen forty, and that's just before he changed his name to Danny Thomas and. You know everything later, but uh, but that's that's he working Detroit. Okay, what was his name? Amos Jacobs. Amos. Amos. Looks like an Amos to me. And Amos Jacobs. Jacobs was a derivative of his actual family name, which was Lebanese, and I can't pronounce it. Lebanese, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amos, huh? Amos, Amos. uh-huh. And he played a character named Amos. Do you know which show? Amos and Andy. No, <laughs> but good guess. Good no, guess. it wasn't. I forgot about them. It's a hard one. Think of a show that snores. A show that what? Snores. Snores? Snores, yeah. Oh, it snores. Well, you kind of got me there. I know. Show that snores. I don't, I don't know any show that snores. Are you using it like there's really snoring going yes, on, or it's one that puts you to sleep? There's really snoring going on. <laughs> Good question. Yeah, really so. true snoring. Really, really, really. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, then. I think Patricia should send you some of this show sometime. I think so. Did I ever send you Bickerson's? Me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. No. No, I've, I've heard it, though, a few times. Yep. The well, Bickerson's. So Danny Thomas um, played, uh, boy Amos. Brother. Amos. He played the, the Bickerson guy's brother? Uh, the girl, the woman. Blanche's, Blanche's brother. Oh, oh. 
Yeah. With Amos. And, and would, he would call up with some harebrained scheme, and John would answer the phone, and he'd say, what did he say, Walden? Drop dead. Uh, <laughs> Hiya, Junko. Hiya, Junko. That's it. Oh, Hiya, yeah. 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 It was. Like, it's a great show. It was like turn blue on uh, Father's Always. Oh, is it not Father's Always? What is it? Father Knows Best? Father Knows Best, yeah. Turn blue. Like, what? <laughs> turn blue. So I guess that's like drop dead. Yeah. yeah. Drop dead and turn blue. That's true. So what's your weather doing out there? You know what? Today, I don't know for sure, but uh, it wasn't as hot. Now, I don't know why. I've I just been really hot in the last couple of days. My gosh, I haven't eaten anything yet today. And my wife comes home from doing a homeschool convention mm -hmm. in Modesto, and... Um, just all of a sudden, she's waking me up, and there's my daughter, and they're here to say goodnight. I'm like, oh, mackerel. Last time I remember being awake was around 1 o'clock. <laughs> so I guess I, I really needed to sleep more. Uh-huh. At least you weren't lonesome. You were sound asleep. No, I wasn't lonesome. There you go. I, I wasn't. There you go. Uh, uh, so tonight, what's the the main topic? Theme? What's been going on? Our topic for the evening was what's the best bargain you ever found. The best bargain? Uh huh. Best <laughs> bargain. Well, you know what? I don't know why it popped into my head, but um, a friend of mine in high school, he gave me a, a CB radio, right? and I took it down to a, um, it, was, it was called Cycle Center on Redwood Road, Castro Valley, and they have all kinds of used motorcycles and parts and things like that there. If you, you're trying to find a hard-to-find part or something like that, you can go there and and, uh, and look for it. Well, they had a go-kart frame with an 8-horsepower Briggs & Stratton motor just sitting on it. And I looked at that, and it was in good, you know, relatively good shape. Just all needed to be built up. And uh, I said to the guy at the counter, I said, "I'll trade you. I'll trade you this CB radio for that. How about it?" And he looked at it, and he goes, "Sure." So, took it away. That was my next project, next a couple of years, and oh, I had a lot of fun with that thing. Huh? Every time I would crash it and bend it, I would always make it so that won't happen again. <laughs> the thing was a tank by the time I got done with it. Uh. <laughs> oh, it was a blast. Good so that deal. was a bargain. Yeah, it was a real bargain. 
was, especially since the radio didn't cost me anything either. That is a bargain. I agree. Yep. Yep. When you don't have to pay anything, that's a bargain. Yep. Uh, I ended up putting a roll bar on it. And, uh, one time I, I drove it home from high school mm-hmm. with, a friend of, with a friend of mine standing up. You oh, know, boy. his legs like straddling yeah. my, my shoulder area there and hanging onto the roll bar behind himself. And uh, when we went on the Christensen Lane, we ended up on two wheels. And I had to, it was fortunate there was no cars parked there because I had to open up the the turn a lot wider so we wouldn't go over. Tom, Tom Tess here, and I used laugh. He was yelling. Excuse me. <laughs> what was that? I think Paul was going to sneeze. Here, I'll turn it down. He's going to sneeze there. Hold on, Paul. Yeah, I think he's going to sneeze there. This is Just the USA. I'm Long Shoes and Patricia. We're talking to Paul. And uh, it is roughly uh, 12.33. In the West Coast. Roughly. Roughly. I don't know I how... I love that. Roughly 12.33.7. Yeah, and I don't know how much longer Patricia and I have in gas tonight. We'll see. Yeah, the gas station was closed when we stopped by tonight. Yep. So, so we there. So we bring Paul back up. You there? I'm here. There you I'm go. Here. There you go. There you go. Thank you. No problem. No problem. So, so tonight's been all about um, best bargains. Bargains, huh? and we uh, we looked up where uh, where how cold at the South Pole get. <laughs> yep. And the, cool. the answer was very. Very, and we and we, Patricia couldn't find the zip code for the South Pole. Uh, how cold? They get well. It... Right, right now there are places 88 degrees below zero. Right now. But it gets colder than that. No, that's the low point. It gets up to a high of zero. Oh, that's the highest, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, for right now, I couldn't find. I couldn't find a profile, an annual average, and points along the way. I couldn't find that. It must be out there. I just couldn't find it on my quick run through. But it's cold. Um, very cold. Yes. Very, I watched, very uh, cold. I watched the thing once. Um, I believe, I can't remember for sure if it's actually the Coast Guard but whoever it is, uh, whatever military branch it was, and I thought it was maybe the Coast Guard, where they, where they fly this huge plane in to them, and I, uh, they, they talked all about the logistics of it, you know, and they were going to be trying to fly out, and of course, checking the ground and everything, uh, uh, preparing, preparing. Uh, the runway, if uh, it needed that, because uh, it's kind of like a one-shot deal thing, and they had these um, things called uh, Jado rockets that they have 
on the side of it that, uh, or the film side of it, or, or in the front of the, or on top or below the wing that uh, they give it some extra thrust right when they're going to take off. And uh, anyway, they just they had a little window to try to do it, and it was very, very interesting. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember if they kept their engines always running on it or not. But it's like a pretty hairy deal. You remember the lady who had uh, the doctor who had breast cancer down there and operated on herself? Yes. Wasn't that something? She she was quite a lady. So then all she was able to do was locals. Mm-hmm. And they have, have her wits about her. And just be sitting there carving yourself up. No, I think um, raise your hand and come home is is the right decision there, but that's not the one she made. Say again? The decision to come home would have been the right one? Uh-huh. Come uh-huh. home. Yeah. How come she didn't? Uh, because she was too busy with work. Oh, <laughs> I thought she couldn't get home. She just was uh, de- well, devoted uh, to I'm, her work, huh? I'm hopeful that I am telling you the correct information. So you two talk while I go out and check. And find out. I didn't know mm-hmm. about that story. You know. No. Uh, well, there was an episode like that. Dr. Kildare had to operate on himself. It was a radio version. On himself? On, on himself, yeah. Oh, really? What, what was the circumstances? Uh, he was caught. He his, he was caught in a flood, and he needed to remove his appendix. So, Patricia, are you serious? Good night, nurse. Okay, she did come home. She did come home. After Jerry Nielsen returned to the United States last week, after the U.S. National Guard airlifted her. From the National Science Foundation in the okay. South Pole. So it was probably National Guard that I watched. That's where I got the Coast Guard in there. And that said, well, there you are. That's how come she was down there. And um, let me see. In an interview, I believe cancer probably originated um, last June. And I'm looking for a date here, October. So she did a biopsy on herself and determined that it was cancer. Probably. She operated on herself and then went back so they could tell her how good a job she did. <laughs> I don't I don't know, but I mean that that's really a scary deal. Winding yeah, up with such a such a scary, scary diagnosis on being literally at the end of the earth. So right. so how 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 Difficult would it be to remove your own appendix, Patricia? <laughs> Can you spell impossible, boys and girls? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, so you tell me that was a little far-fetched, huh? I think so. Oh. They could have picked something a little bit closer to home. <laughs> did did you, any of you guys watch House? I have nothing? seen the show, yes. Oh. He is uh, quite a piece of work. Well,
Okay, start the process of transferring the next tape. Um, it was for, I think it was, um, in an effort to have them reconnect nerve tissue. So he steals this drug that this, this researcher has seen rats. Then he would come back and talk to the guy every once in a while and see how's it going with the rats. Oh, yeah, promising, you know, it's not. Well, then he comes back at one time and all the rats are dead. And they were growing tumors all over the place. And so he's freaking out. And uh, he's at the hospital. He he ends up uh, doing an MRI on himself, I guess, and finds out that he's got, I don't know, at least four so these tumors in his leg. In the meantime, you know, he's trying to keep this hidden because he was such a fool to be doing this. So he ends up trying to operate him. He did operate on himself. He's in the bathtub at his house. Oh, man. Yeah, anyway, he ends up in big-time trouble. Facing out and stuff. Can't see real good. And, uh, he's shaking too much. He, and he's all laid wide open, you know. So he's trying to call his co-workers and he can't get a hold of anybody and so he finally gets his uh, girlfriend lady, the lady in charge of the hospital, and she comes and she's like, you are crazy. <laughs> Indeed. So, all right. Well, would you like a question tonight? Uh, yeah. She can give me a I, couple of them. I think you need a question tonight. Let me see here. Um... um I'm looking for a, what kind of a question would you like? How, how are you on horses? Well, I used to own one, but I'm not an expert. <laughs> I'm just on, on radio. Who rode different horses? Oh, who, okay. who rode champion? Champion? Oh, boy. You have to give me something I've never heard. Champion? I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Okay, who rode buttermilk? Oh, my gosh. I think we got him. You're going to go for the, the triple play? Yep, we're going for the triple crown here. Okay. Buttermilk. I do not know. Who rode scout? Scout, okay. Get him on. I'm thinking that it would need to be Tonto. Stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> it would either be Tonto or Tonto. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> it's Tonto. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, we got to get other people to who, jump in who, here. With who, who was Roy Rogers' horse? Are you asking me or Paul? Paul. Let me think here. Oh dear. <laughs> but trigger? That is correct. 
You got it. Two for two. You got it. Two for two. Okay, well, we're working on that his horse stuffed. Yep, that was the one he was stuffed. He stuffed his horse. Where where was it? It was at the museum. Somewhere in L.A. No, no, in Apple Valley where he lived. And then it moved to uh, Branson, Missouri. And so took it to Branson. And Trigger got sold. Trigger got Trigger, sold. Trigger and Nellie Bell and Buttermilk and, and Saddles and the Bonneville car, everything got sold at auction. It all got auctioned off. So we are up to volume five on Gunsmoke. Would you like that? Yes. Then okay. you've got it. Okay. Where are there? Eleven total. Eleven, eleven CDs total. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, and we're on five. Yep. We're on number five. Wow, I'm sure glad they made a lot of them. There you go. <laughs> they did. They made a lot of them. So. I sure enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, it's a good show. It was really very well done. Yep, yep. And I am a Chester. He's a character. He sure is. Good. Good. You know, good character, good writing. Basically tells him to go boil water every once in a while, you know, to get him out of the room. Yeah. Good stuff. So, Okay, Paul. Gunsmoke, Volume 5. You've got it. Well, thank you, guys. All righty. Thank you. Take care. I'm glad I got you before you signed off. You bet. And, uh, before we disappeared. Terrific. Thanks, Paul. You're winding down, right? Yep. We're about ready to toss it in. Well, you guys have a great week. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Yeah, we're winding down. Okay. So we're we're into your questions right now. Yep. And we see. We I, done did the base- the, I did have the right answer, huh? We've done the baseball question, and now... So yeah, there was and, no, now, there and was, now with the... With the the Abbots. The Adventures of the Abbots. No first names? Yes, Okay. I, yeah, I know who I know what I'm asking you what they are. Oh, I don't know. Well the names are Gene and Pat. I haven't now, heard I, I haven't heard one of the shows yet. I think it's an an, an armed forces show. Uh huh. Um and it it's don't bother. <laughs> it's okay. Ah, you, I'll do it for ah, you, ah, okay? Ah, 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 ah. That's what friends are for. I know. I'll do it for you and fill you in and let you know everything about it. Really badly done. Very bad. They, I'm, I may even put this in the awful folder. Uh, yes. Yeah, it was really pretty bad. And I did hear the other day, Gaston, and I have to start writing these things down. Do you remember when we were talking about Bulldog Drummond and we heard the, the click-click and the yep. foghorn and yep. the click-click? And I said, there is another show Correct. with that. Correct. You, you were telling me about that. Yep. And I did find it. And Pat. did I write it down? Of course not. Pat, no Did Pat. I listen to it this week? Of course I did. Well, you were busy having ear candy. You know, and I sit here and say, ooh, ooh, I have to remember to tell Walden. I have to remember <laughs> to tell Walden. Did I remember to tell Walden? Of course not. Did I remember to write it down? Of course not. Do I know what it was? Of course not. I, Walden, I, have... I need a keeper. Well, I'll keep you. <laughs> right, you're so good to me. I'll keep you forever and ever. You are so good. I will to never me. trade you in. You know. 
Not yet. Oh, thank you. Never will. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because because you're a good bargain. Thank you. Yes. I'm a bargain. I'm the best bargain. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your bargain. That's right. I don't think so. You keep sending me chocolate. This is good. I don't think I'm a bargain anymore. Oh, I think so. How's the chocolate holding up? You still got some leftovers? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm casing it. Now, how, how did this compare to last year's chocolate? Well, chocolate is really good. Uh-huh. Um, both of them are really excellent. Hershey's really did make a fine product with okay. that. Okay. This is outstanding. This so, is very excellent. Two excellents. Okay. Well, with, with the Hershey, I got you more. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to last nine months. This won't last as long as the Hershey's did. Kevin, help me. That, that, move things in the refrigerator to make room for it. That one lasts from July until June. That was almost 11 months on that. On that. I know, and I was so cautious. You know, I need a piece here and a piece there. And the pieces just, they, there were a lot of pieces. Well, I know they were. Well, I want to make sure you got some, got some chocolate. Well, I certainly did. So I'm I'm pretty sure these ain't gonna last the whole the whole no, eleven so. my eleven month cycle. I don't think so. There are four pieces in a candy bar. They're big pieces. <laughs> <laughs> this is good stuff, boo boo. <laughs> now boo boo, how, how how are we eating it? Are we eating it straight? Are we gonna have? Are you having a little coffee on the side? How you? Oh, we eat it straight. Oh, you do? Oh, man. Oh, sure. Oh. Unadulterated. We don't oh, man. mess it up. Oh, man. Wowzers. I mean, it's like trying to put ice cream in your syrup. Ah, that's true. Not good. Okay. All right. So, it, so if, if you accidentally break a piece, you don't mind picking it up and eating that too, right? If I, huh? If you accidentally broke a small piece off and it falls on the table. Oh, that's, that's okay. Yeah. You can fall on the floor. I'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> you do not waste chocolate. You no. just don't. No. You just don't. That, no. that is a precious commodity. Yeah. Better than gold. Somebody who came up with dark chocolate. Genius. Absolute genius. Yeah. Okay. I think, oh, that's your brain teaser. We, we have your presidential question, your presidential quote. I do have a first lady quote. Mm-hmm. And your baseball question is down already. Yep. So that so the presidential teaser, presidential teaser would be great if you have one. Your your that, presidential yeah, teaser. teaser. Yeah. No, you can only have. That's probably good. What I said at the time. I like to do to I like to do to introduce myself all the noise. Whatever. <laughs> Both of us are. I'm just kind of leaning against the wall here. Um. You have to pick one or the. I mean, this is like this is Walden and me. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia and I are here. Oh. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, you are too funny. All right, you have you have to you can't. This is not mix and match, you know. I have to have one at a time. Play this with teacher. No wonder I think we're out gas. We're not getting this right. Um, my brain teacher. Your brain teaser. Yeah. Okay. I think I asked you this once before. I'm reading it now, and I think I did, and it's not too long ago. A man bet his neighbor $100 that his dog could jump higher than his house. I asked you this one already, didn't I? No, you haven't. Oh, really? Mm-mm. 
huh, and, I, and you lost. Okay. Oh, maybe, no, no, it was, it was something different. Okay, a man bet his neighbor $100 that his dog could jump higher than his house. The neighbor took the bet, but the neighbor lost. Why did the neighbor lose? Well, you helped me figure this out when you, when you read it uh, the second time. Okay, the dog jumped over the doghouse. No, that was your answer the last time, too. It's not correct now? No. It wasn't correct then either. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is, a, this is a different question, but it involves jumping higher than his house. Hmm. A man bet the neighbor that his dog could jump higher than his house. The Ooh. neighbor took the bet and lost. Um, Kept the neighbor didn't have a house. No, but you're kind of in the right territory. A house can't jump. That the dog could jump higher than his house. Oh. I mean, it's one of those oh. word things. Yeah. 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 And it's one of those illustrations yeah. about how word placement can make a big difference. Nope, we've never had that one, so that's good. All right, well, you'll get it again. Okay. Because I like it when you say he jumped over his doghouse. Yeah, well, you're right. Like to... Yeah, because you did say that, and I had another question. Yeah. And the answer you gave was he jumped over his doghouse. It's like the Daisy Hill puppy farm thing, you know. Oh, boy, you got, boy, are you getting hot. Yeah, okay. No, the... he's not tired. We have to. I'm poop. <laughs> yeah, are you really? Oh, this is good. Okay, then maybe yeah. I'll, I'll I'll get along. Okay, so you got a president? No, no, we'll take our time. I'll wake up by 1 o'clock and we'll be, we can go another five hours, so we'll be fine. We've got, we've got seven minutes. <laughs> You're going to make it? Oh, yeah. We're going to make uh, it and, and then some. And then some. Okay. Presidential question, presidential quote, or first lady quote? All right, go with the presidential quote first. Presidential quote. Being president is like running a cemetery. You've got a lot of people under you and nobody's listening. Oh, that's a great comment. Um, Joe R. Ford. No. That is something that sounds kind of Fordish, huh? Uh -huh. Yeah, he, he had a down-home folksy way about yeah. him. You're right. Yeah. Have you noticed uh, Dwight David Eisenhower doesn't make your quote system too often? No, he was so stuffy. Yes. And his quotes went on for about <laughs> 88 words in a sentence. <laughs> he must have been a military person. Just, just notice our trend line here where, where Dwight D. doesn't seem to make the cut. Um, I'll, I'll see if I can squash him in there. I've checked him. I've checked so many places looking for something appropriate. And he had the sense of humor of a rock, you know? I mean, he must have had, a, he must have been entertaining, and people loved him. Mm -hmm. But in his public persona, he, he must have been pretty stuffy. Well, Robert, let's go with last week's answer, Herbert Hoover. Herbert Hoover, no. 
Hmm. Not Herbert. Being president is like running a cemetery. You've got a lot of people under you and nobody's listening. Well, we I know, love that quote. We know it's not silent cow because there have been too many words for him. That's right. He didn't even say goodnight. Yeah. Uh, how about Harry S. Truman? How about Bill Clinton? That's a great line for Billy. Now, president Clinton had a really folksy type... Mm-hmm. Um, connection yep. with people. Yep. Unfortunately, and I think it might only be me, maybe it's, it's other people as well, but for me, it takes them a couple of years out of office before I appreciate what they were in office. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's sort of like the old theory. You don't determine how good a presidential term in office was until... I don't know, was it 20, 30 years out of office? Some, you know, a period I, of time. I, I thought it was 50, but it, 30 would be fine. You know, some, some yeah. it's a period of time. Yeah. I mean, Clinton was a, a mathematical genius when it came to budget. Mm-hmm. He really had an excellent handle on the budget. Did I know that? No. Do I know it now? Yes. How come I missed it on the first pass? Um, well... We had a surplus when he finished office. Yeah. Yeah. Well. And that got by me. There you go. Anyway, apparently he had a sense of humor as well. (laughs) When you're being president, it's like running a cemetery. Sure. Good quote. Good quote. President Clinton, you did good. All right. So now we are down to your first lady quote. You ready? Ready. All right. Every politician should have been born an orphan and remain a bachelor. That was Patricia. <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it's a good quote, though. <laughs> That's a sort of a running gag with Patricia. Like, she she loves orphan. That's a theme of hers once in a while. Yes, I'm an orphan. I want to be an orphan. orphan yeah. When she, um, when she grows up, that, what she, that's her when, goal. When I grow up, I want to be an orphan. orphan. <laughs> <laughs> Every politician should have been born an orphan and remain a bachelor. Mm. And there's an awful lot of truth in that. Mm-hmm. It's what makes quotes so good. Uh, Ones that aren't good don't yeah. survive. How about Harry Truman on that? No, this is a first lady. Mm. Okay, bet. Best <laughs> Truman. <laughs> We'll get a presidential teaser in here yet. Yeah. <laughs> no, not this. I don't think I see that Pat Nixon either. No. No. Although, she had some pretty poignant things to say right. at times. She surprised me. Um, really, my, my heart always hurt for that lady. Yep. And it still does. Yep. Uh... And for Beth. Actually, for a lot of first ladies. Oh, yeah. Okay. Every politician should have been born an orphan and remain a bachelor. That's a pretty biting commentary, mm-hmm. isn't it? Hillary Clinton? Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Lady Bird Johnson. Yeah. She was kind of outspoken. She she was not a bird. No. But even, even at that... Every politician should remain a bachelor. Right. Um, philosophically, I can understand that. 
as a first lady, I think that's that's something that would surprise me at the time if she said it as first lady mm-hmm. and not after the fact. It doesn't give me. I don't have any dates on these quotes, so I don't know where she was in life when she said that. Right. Absolutely. She could have been a widow for all I know. Yeah, true. So. All right, you want to do something? You want to go to bed? What would you like? Up to you, my dear. No, no, no. You get to pick tonight. I get to pick all the time. I say we just toss it in. I think we are finished for tonight. All righty. So we'll fire up the show. I can use some sleep. And I think Patricia could use some sleep. And I I don't know why... But today was a crash day. Yeah, well, it happened. You know, the body does that. It just crashed. And that's good. It needs to do that oh, once in a while. Sometimes. Once in a while. Once it does. in a while. So, but that means I have to say good night to people. Yep, we'll say good night. Good night, everybody. Please be safe. Have a wonderful week. We will be here next week. Claire Schultz is going to be with us. He has a revised edition of Fibber McGee and Molly on the air. And he's a lot of fun to talk with. So put him on your I Want to Listen list, and we'll be back with him. And he knows his his stuff. And he knows his stuff. My goodness. Good night, Patricia. Good night, Walden. We love you all very, very much, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. My love seems to grow. There isn't any end to my devotion. It's deeper, dear, by far than any ocean. I You're making all my dreams come true So come what may I want you to know Stay as we.
JAWS for Windows is ready. Welcome to Skype. Press insert plus H for a list of JAWS odd keys that can be used. Alt F4. Sound Forge Pro. Enter. Alt Tab. MP3 Skype Recorder. Who's Alt Tab. Sound Forge Pro 10. Enter. Alt Tab. MP3. Alt Tab. Sound Forge Pro 10.0. Record Sound 1 Dialog. Escape. Escape. Data Window. Enter. Yeah. Yeah. Enter. Menu, file menu, new dot 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 A, leaving menus, save as dialog, file name, sound one dot wav, edit, S-A-T-U-R-A-Y-N-I-G-H-T, seven, dash, two, seven, dash, one, three, W-I-T-H-P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A, save as, save by enter, data window, Data window, Saturday night Sunday night. What is this? Yeah, July 28th, 2013. And we're going to go get Michael Beale. And see what's up. JAWS for Windows is ready. Soundforge Pro 10.0. Data window. Here's the JAWS Windows M. Desk test. Showcase when test. Skype. Enter.
Welcome to Skype. Press insert plus H for a list. Selected Bill Brad, Echo Slash, Fred Bernie, Imaginer, Jerry Head, John Gass, Larry Gat, Michael Beal, Online, 9 of 1 application, send IM, send SMS, met, send contact, send file dot, send voice message, share screen, invite a printer, leaving menus, Michael Beal, on unloading JAWS, quit that. Alright. So, hope you're all doing well. Um, guys, next next week, August the 4th, Barbara Schwartz is going to join us. Top of the show, uh, talk about Vic and Sade, and in, uh, Two weeks. It's August 11th, and I don't know when I'll be back. It's my mom and dad's fiftieth wedding anniversary that night. So John and Larry have promised to hold out in the fort, and then I'll probably join Michael. So that's the game plan. Two weeks from tonight. And hello, Dr. Mike. I heard, I heard a pop. So we'll see. And anyways, that's the plan for the next two weeks on the network. Um, this Friday, we got several options, um, depending on what's going to break through. It could be Gloria Jean as our special live guest from Hawaii. We have an interview from Ben Cooper or Richard Hurt. I'll, I'll know here the next day or so what our Friday schedule will be. Cliff Chokes has a brand new book out on Fibber McGee and Molly, and he'll be on this sun Saturday. And okay. there you are. There you are. My headphones got tangled up, and then I noticed I didn't have the thing turned back to uh, to microphone. I was trying out the uh, phonograph. So here I am. There you are. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. We had a beautiful day. Hey! The headphones. There we go. Like, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Used to for in the um, in Chicago uh, for the National Farm and Home Hour. Used to start off. It's a beautiful day in Chicago. <laughs> Whether it was or not. I can't think of his name now. Lose we somebody. Really, yeah. We really did have a beautiful day in Moorhead. It was maybe, oh, in the low 70s, maybe got up to 75 degrees. And it was sunny. And I sat out and read the newspaper most of the afternoon uh, into the evening. It was about 6.30 when I noticed, oh, gee, it's already 6.30. <laughs> So, had a very pleasant, pleasant day here. Probably going to have a little rain during the next uh, few days. Well, uh, a little humidity won't bother you there. Well, well, too bad. Yeah. Long time. Leah, Leah and her mother went up to Toronto for two days, mm. and uh, they, uh, you know, they left right after Leah got off from work on Thursday and came back. Uh, late Saturday night, and uh, and she says it started pouring in Toronto a couple of hours before they had to leave. Wow! So I said, "Oh, you're lucky that it didn't rain your entire trip because you know just they flew up for just two days. So it's uh, I don't you know I don't think." A little vacation like that is worth it, just a couple of days. But, uh, you, know, you know, like our, our trip to London yeah. 
and where we were there for eight days was uh, just barely enough time yeah. to, to to get us. Well, we probably only got so many vacation days, and she's trying to maximize it all the time she got, probably. Well, she didn't take any vacation days. Oh, right. But I was thinking, I'm thinking what she did, did to London and probably what she got to do with art and some other stuff coming down the road. She probably only got so much time, right? Well, she doesn't really have vacation days at all. Well, that, so, so she should have stayed up for a month, right? Yeah, well, they, you know, she's not working. Uh, you know, she hasn't worked long enough. Yeah. yeah. To, uh, to gather up. You know, you know, to, to gather up the oh eight or nine months worth of vacation <laughs> days I had when I retired. I you know I really goofed because I you know, I I announced my retirement thinking that I was going to get pay for my vacation days, where it turns out all I got was a uh, was um, a credit. On my retirement, which is good, you know, yeah. gives me another one percent of my salary per month. Right. So that adds, you know, that adds up. Right. But uh, it would have been, uh, if if I would have gotten the same thing, if I had just said, uh, you know, I just said nothing, and then when, you know, the time came, you know, let, let them schedule mm -hmm. schedule me and everything, and then like after the first week of classes, say, I can't do this. Oh, I don't yeah. have enough energy. I don't have enough energy yeah. to do this, and uh, let them find a replacement for me. Although it really would have been, it really would have been tough because that was also the semester that uh, uh, one of my colleagues. Uh, was diagnosed with cancer. Right, right. And he, and he stopped teaching. And so uh, uh, he. Well, you know, if you announced that some of you were taking a sabbatical, couldn't you have done it that way? They don't. Their their sabbatical policies changed radically over the years. Okay. And at, the, at the point when I could have started asking for sabbatical time uh they you know turned it into unpaid sabbaticals and uh with just the uh credit for your towards your 27 years of retirement mm. or you know so it was you know or, or, you know there were there were there was something about that that it didn't uh it didn't work yeah 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 when, when i you know during the time when i started there you know, they were giving sabbaticals out. You could take a full year, get full salary. And uh, although my uh, actually one of my other colleagues, uh, we, we had some very weird tenure situations. Uh, you know, after a while, I was the only uh, tenured faculty member in our radio TV department. Mm. And you know, of, of the of the four of us, uh, but two of the others had what they called quasi tenure, for the lack of anything else. One of them had been there five years, and he wanted to go off for a year 
to get his Ph.D. at Penn State, he and his wife both. And uh, she was only working as an adjunct there, so it was no problem as far as she was concerned. The irony is she got her Ph.D. He never did complete it. But the stipulation was that if we give you the sabbatical, you had to come back and teach another full year after that year. No ifs, ands, or buts. Mm. And what they didn't realize until it was too late, that by forcing him to be there for that seventh year, that was uh, by giving him a contract for his eighth year, that was the signification that he had been granted tenure. Right. Wow. And they, at, at that point, they could not give any, they could not deny somebody a contract uh, before, you know, when they were in their, you know, in, in, you know, leading up to tenure, they could not deny somebody a contract less than a year before, you know, less than the full year. Mm -hmm. they, you know, they, the only way they could fire somebody was to give them a terminal contract and they would teach for one more year and then be gone. So he comes back supposedly starting to work on his uh, dissertation and he you know is you know is teaching and uh, they're kind of you know thinking of possibly giving him a terminal contract <laughs> and he you know he comes he comes to me and he comes to some of the other people uh, in the department who are who are tenured and said, "Now look, here's you know, and he showed the showed us the papers and everything. This is this is what they said. They can't give me a terminal contract, can they?" And so <laughs> he ends up staying there for the rest of his career, like another uh, 10, 15 years. And uh, they they couldn't fire him. He was tenured, but. Uh, it, it, there, there were certain committees that required somebody being tenured, and so he could never be on those committees. Oh. So that was supposedly the difference between real tenure and his tenure. Now, the irony is we had one other faculty member who a couple years before then had been given a sixth-year contract was teaching his seventh year and they again were thinking of giving him a terminal contract but the lawyers said that all of the years he had he had come to the department in for three years oh as a matter of fact come to think with the other guy had this happen also that we had two people that came that were half-time teaching in our department and the other half-time were assigned to, in one case, 
the TV, the uh, campus-wide TV production facility. And in the other case, he was assigned to the um, um, promotion, uh, the university um, uh, uh, publicity, uh, public relations department. And after about uh, two or three years, they moved them, both of them, into uh, full-time teaching. And so in both cases, they discovered too late that the full, that the, uh, uh, that the, you know, even though he, you know, that they were only half time in the in instruction, it counted. If you were in administration, uh, it counts. For example, we've had some people who were hired uh, as administrators, but are given faculty ranking. And so the years that they worked in the administration would count towards tenure in faculty ranking. So if they decide to leave the, uh, you know, the, the vice presidency or chancellorship that they had, or provostship in, in, uh, in one case, uh, and they had been there enough years, uh, and they, you know, they would be assigned back to teaching with tenure. So that's right. We had three, of, you know, for a while, three out of the four faculty members in our radio TV area were like this. That wow. uh, you know, that I was the only, I was the only tenured, and actually none of the other three had PhDs. They, you know, they they came in at the tail end of when the university uh, would hire people without PhDs. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time we were finding, uh, you know, we were doing uh, uh, hiring, oh, about 10, 15 years after I came there, um, you know, we were restricted to hiring people who were either PhDs or very close to, um, uh, you know, to a PhD, and they were, you know, we, you know, we would say, you know, we were joking around, but not, not really joking, you know, saying we couldn't hire Walter Cronkite. <laughs> so that mean you had a cover for the guy and sit on more committees because you had the title of being tenured and they didn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And that you know, so uh, you know, there were committees that. Well, the thing is, of course, for our. Um, you know, well-being as far as uh, our annual, uh, um, you know, our annual survey of of uh, of our work. Mm -hmm. It you know, the more committees that you sat on, the better. Okay. Okay. So that was uh, uh, something that uh, was important. Right. Well, I've got some records to play here, and this Perfect. first one I I mentioned. Uh, offhandedly, not remembering exactly what the what the record was, you know what the, what the title was, uh, you know, um, a couple of months ago, and uh, you know, and I found where it was to you know this uh, this afternoon, so I pulled it out. Still haven't listened to it myself, and I'm going to play both sides of it, and it's a record that I thought had totally disappeared that I had not heard. Anything about this record, I don't remember the record when it came out. Uh, 
uh, which was 1956. I don't rem I remember other records by them, but not this one. And I don't remember this being reissued anywhere, and I still haven't seen uh, if it is uh, reissued anywhere. Uh, I saw uh, three listings on uh, on eBay uh, for it, but not as a 78, as a 45. Actually, two of them, one for $8 and the other for $18, are as 45s. Uh, there's a, another listing on eBay, but it's for an ad in Billboard magazine, which uh, shows a picture uh, and uh, and the lyrics, <clears throat> and uh, you know, continuing to uh, you know to Google it, I just found the an autographed copy of the sheet music uh, for. Uh, for one of the songs, uh, and it has already sold, so uh, uh, so it, it's uh, not it's not available. And this doesn't, uh, since I am not a uh, subscriber to this service, uh, I do not know what the uh, how much it went for. But I will mention what the record is now. It is by Audrey and Jane Meadows. Oh, isn't that fun? I'm thinking about inviting her to Spurvac and Vanking Jane. Oh, wow, that's interesting. She, oh, that, yeah, oh, that's right. I meant, yeah, I, I think that's when I mentioned it, and I mm. should have gotten you, the, you should have reminded me, and I would have hunted up the information <laughs> on this. Uh, but uh, the um, uh, the song on, you know, on the A side is Dear Ralph. Ah, okay. So, um it's sort of a tie-in, although looking at the lyrics, it didn't seem to have a tie-in. Let me see. If I don't want to. Well, let me. Okay. Well, let me save this. Oh, image. I guess we'll find out after you play it if it if it is a tie-in to the honeymoon. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll. Okay. Yeah. All righty. We'll we'll do it that way yeah. here. Uh, it's an RCA Victor record. It's uh uh you know as I said my copy is a ten inch seventy eight. Uh, number 20-6447. Uh, Jane, it's listed on this side as Jane and Audrey. Actually, on both sides, it's Jane and Audrey Meadows with orchestra and chorus. Um, a minute 45 is the timing of, the, of this A side. And it's on the high-quality shellac that Victor started using around 19, uh, around 1954, so it should be very quiet. Also, additionally, I bought uh, some new needles for uh, for this machine, mm. so the sound quality of the 78 should should be much better now with this uh, with this new point. So. Uh, so here now, let me uh, switch over to the um, get back to the Skype page, and switch over to the uh, to the phonograph. Uh, let's see, I got to cancel that out in order to remove that window and switch over here to line in. And here is Dear Ralph.
very sorry to tell me that the boss said you had to work late. But dear, today they all asked me if I saw your cute little date. you in my heart dear Ralph just a note to tell you that I've eloped with your very best friend dear Ralph I want you to know that I will never see you again Just a note to tell you that I've eloped with your very best friend. Dear Ralph, I want you to know that I will never see you again. <laughs> it's obvious that it is not. That's right. With the TV show. Yeah. But obviously, a using the the name Ralph, which could they could have used George, <laughs> because it's not uh, rhymed with anything. That's true. So now I'm trying to okay fifty six. This would have been the year after the um, uh, the half hour filmed version of the show the honeymooners mm -hmm. show right uh which was was that the 55 56 season i thought so yes so i don't think they were on that next year and um did jay meadows go back to the uh to the show because sheila mcrae yeah audrey you're talking about audrey yeah, right. Yeah, Audrey, yeah. not Jane. Yeah, that, that Sheila McRae was the um, uh, was the Alice. Yeah. In the musicals, in those one-hour musicals, right? Around 59, 60, 61. So, I don't this, recall. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you'll have to you know check you know, like the date, you know, the recording dates and everything on mm -hmm. uh, on this to see. Where this fits into the history, is it something that perhaps she's doing to spite Jackie Gleason <laughs> for, in a sense, letting her go and but but trying to, uh, you know, make something off of it? Be interesting. That, that would have been an interesting question. Yep. So um, the other side of the record also is. You know, the same type of pseudo rock and roll. Remember, this is the year of Elvis Presley on RCA Victor also. And it's Dungaree, Dan, and Chino Sue. Oh, and Steve Allen is the is the uh, composer on this. <laughs> so, okay, so we, we can figure. He's not the composer of the, uh, of the other song. On Asia, yeah. 
Yeah. Who's so, the label? Who's the label? I mean, the is it? Uh, you said RCA. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is RCA Victor, okay. and uh, the name of the compo- I, I I'll get back to. Um, I can't get to that page right now. And I'll and, get- and I wonder who's the orchestra behind him. Might be one of That they friend. don't say. Yeah. That it just just says with orchestra again. Uh, you know the the um, uh, session sheets at RCA or Sony, whoever <laughs> has them now, uh, would uh, would say it might be. I was thinking it could you know, Hugo Winterhalter does so much of that stuff, but mm-hmm. but I don't know with that guitar and, and because there also was was uh, you know male voices behind them mm-hmm. also. So uh, I didn't recognize right. any piano because he could have played on a section too, you know. Yeah, that's true. So so whether this was a New York or a Hollywood session, but mm-hmm. Steve was still in New York at that time also. Right, right, he was. Because the uh, the his TV show, the Tonight Show, he was on the Tonight Show at that time, I think. Well, then also starting the Sunday Night Show, yeah, and that was that was done in New York as well. Yep. So he was still located in New York, and of course, what's my line was still in New was in New York. Yep. So, so this probably was a New York, uh, New York session. So anyway, here's. <laughs> Was it Dungry Dan and Chino Sue? I already put the record on the turntable. Yep. Let me let me switch over, and uh, we'll get it in a couple of seconds. Dungry Dan and Chino Sue's rolling down the avenue two by two. Oh, babe, won't you have a little on me, a little on me? They walk like that and they walk like this, looking for a place to sit and kiss. Oh, babe, won't you have a little on me, a little on me? They walk by the river and through the park, looking for a spot so nice and dark. Oh, babe, won't you have a little on me, a little on me? They walk by the railroad in the rain. Thought it looked like lovers lane Oh, they won't you have a look On me, a look on me They went to the malt shop After school Drank a soda pop so nice and cool Oh, they won't you have a look On me, a look on me Went to the jukebox on the wall Put a nickel in and had a ball Oh, they won't you have a look On me, a look on me You and me, my baby, do like Dungaree Dan and Chino Sue. Oh, babe, won't you have a little on me, a little on me? Someday, if you will wait for me, we'll marry and raise a family. Oh, babe, won't you have a little on me, a little on me? We'll marry and raise a family, a boy for you and a girl for me. Oh, babe, won't you have a little? You know what that orchestration sounds like? <laughs> it sounds like Billy May. Yeah, I was going to tell you it did sound like Billy May. That's who I thought about. But I thought at that time Billy was at Capitol. So that's what I was... 
I, I I'm sure he was at Capitol. Yeah. I don't think I don't think it could possibly have anything to do with uh, <laughs> with Billy May. But Billy had that occasionally. Uh, he would. I had a a jukebox jury show from this period of time, and you know, if you remember, it was the pick or click, you know, routine and. The surprise guest mystery for Phil Harris and Mickey Rooney and Debbie Reynolds was a uh, record put out by Billy May. They had a guess who it was, <laughs> and that was that was somewhat the style, which is that ragtime pin pin alleys, you know. Oh yeah, well the so. thing is with the uh, you know the, the xylophone is uh, it, being very prominent. That also was one of his. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, especially for the you know, for the kids' records, yep. and uh, you know, so it was something that uh, you know that that stood out immediately to me yep. that uh, you know, with also the uh, you know the clarinet and the bassoons, you know, right. the, uh, you know, you know, rather than brass uh, in the uh, in the lead. Uh, looking at the sheet music, by the way, of Dear Ralph, the uh, the composers were Dottie Morris. Helen Morris and Cindy Davis. So, hmm. and the uh, you know, looking at the sheet music again, there the other this this particular one that they were auctioning off has a uh, has autographed by both of them uh, under the under their pictures is uh, Jane Meadows has her own TV show. I've got a secret. It's not her own TV show. <laughs> And then Audrey Meadows is featured on the Jackie Gleason show. Right. Well, they should have said, you know, that that she's featured on I've Got a Secret. (laughs) Because uh, I've Got a Secret is not any more her program than uh, the Jackie Gleason show (laughs) would have been Audrey's uh, uh, program. So so that's, uh, that's, that's funny. But uh, let's see what else I can pull out here. Uh, going back into uh, into the 30s, um, hmm, I think the other side would be more interesting. Come to think of it, and I don't know why. Come to think, I don't know why these two records are why these two sides are. Combined, be interesting. Maybe we'll, we'll play both of them. Hey, uh, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a Victor record, twenty-five four eleven, and you know, this is way past the time when uh, when record companies were putting uh, on the two different sides of records different performers. Like many of Al Jolson's Columbia records had other performers on the other side. Mm. Uh, part of it was a way to um, uh, you know stretch it out and you know you know get their sixty-five cents for uh, for Al for somebody buying an Al Jolson sure. record and um, you know not getting them two Al Jolson songs. They would have to buy two sixty-five cent records. Mm-hmm. Not that the other sides were bad. I, you know, like many of the other sides were uh, were things that I really have, uh, you know, glad um, glad that I've had. Uh, 
uh, you know, that I've liked uh, in some cases even better than the Jolson side. Mm -hmm. But uh, one side is Benny Goodman uh, performing St. Louis Blues. Oh. And the other side, however, which is also a 1936 recording, is Clarinet Marmalade. And it's being performed by Nick LaRocca and the original Dixieland Band. Hmm. Featuring Nick LaRocca on trumpet and Larry Shields on clarinet. They don't list the on this label the other uh, performers. There was in '36 they did a um, uh, a reunion of the original Dixieland Jazz Band from 1917, or may it may have been 1937, as a uh, you know, on the anniversary. Mm -hmm. Of the, uh, you know, although really they, they they started to come to prominence in 1916, but made their first records in uh, February of 1917. Uh, but the, um, uh, in a, a March of Time newsreel, there is uh, pictures of a recording session of the, uh, the Dixieland band in 19... 36 or 37, whichever it is, with their re-recording on an acoustical recorder. And I don't think that that acoustical recording was ever, uh, was ever issued, but about six or seven electrical recordings by them were, and this is one of them. And so it's, they, they couple St. Louis Blues which of course is an early uh, uh, jazz number. Oh yeah, with uh, with clarinet marmalade, yeah. uh, two entirely different uh, different groups and probably different styles. Um, what is also interesting, as far as a, uh, a label labelography is concerned, is that the two labels are completely different. They're, well, not, not, not completely, in that they're both Victor Scroll labels, and, and, and record collectors would know what I mean by that. The Scroll label was uh, one that they started using in 1926. <coughs> Excuse me. And stopped using around <coughs> 1937. Let me take a drink here. Okay. <laughs> this is Yesterday USA, I'm Wong Xu, Michael Beal. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm back here. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I had something right here. So the um, one side is the special swing classic uh, label that Victor was using in the mid-30s, not for... Reissues, however, they were using it for current swing records uh, above the HMV, uh, you know, his master's voice picture. It says in large letters, swing classic. And the scroll on the lower part of, uh, of this label, at least, uh, has the inner the part of the design uh, missing because there's so much... Um, 
uh, information printed on it because this lists the entire um, uh, the entire personnel of the uh, of the band, uh, featuring B. Goodman clarinet, H. Schitzer, A. Rolini, W. Depew. I could give their first name, so I'll say what it is here. D. Clark. Uh, uh, saxophones, uh, S. Bose, C. Uh, G. Irwin, G. Griffith, trumpets, S. Ballard, M. Uh, McUrchin, trombones, Jess Stacy, well, it says J. Stacy, Jess Stacy, piano, H. Goodman, bass, that's Benny's brother Harry, A. Roos, guitar, and G. Krupa, Gene Krupa, of course, on drums. So the, you know this lists all of the personnel on it, and it's uh, takes up a lot of space on the label. But at the bottom of the label, it says RCA Manufacturing Company Incorporated, Camden, New Jersey, USA, in two lines, straight across, from left to right. The other side, the record that you would think would be the classic has a regular uh, 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 scroll label, but the RCA Manufacturing Company Incorporated Camden, New Jersey, USA, is in an arch. It's curved upwards in the bottom center of the label. So it is interesting that... Uh, the, the two labels are so different from each other. I think that is something that they've obviously had to have planned. That this was what, this is how the record was released. Because normally they didn't allow, um, RCA Victor did not allow the records to be pressed using two different label formats on the opposite sides. Uh, I have, you know, I've seen uh, the regulations when we were doing uh, uh, some photography uh, for labels for the uh, Victor, uh, for the Guide to Victor Records that uh, Michael Sherman and Kurt Nock uh, revised and republished a year or two ago. Uh, Vince Giordano uh, brought me over to the uh, uh, to the new location of the Sony archives, and the two of us went through stuff and did a lot of photography. And there's about ten or fifteen items in the book or things that we photographed that afternoon. Well, we came across some paperwork with uh, the rules and instructions about what would happen if you have different label formats uh, with, you know, it's, uh, you, know, you go to repress a record and the labels that are left over from before, uh, you know, let's say you've got some for one side and you didn't have any for the other side, but in the meantime, the label format had, sh had shifted, had changed. And you know, can you reuse the old labels? Well, they said if you have both sides, you can reuse the old labels, but once you run out of one or the other side and need to reprint the labels, 
you would have to discard the rest of the old ones and continue now with both sides having the new format. So under that regulation, this would not have been allowed if this was, you know, if, if they both were to have had swing classics uh, labels on both sides or were both to have the regular scroll label on both sides, they wouldn't have allowed that particular shift. Uh, the question in, in that instruction sheet also came up about sets. Can you intermix different label types in a set? And there the answer was yes. If, uh, if you have uh, your records that are pressed and uh, are now going to compile the records into the album uh, sleeves, uh, and let's say it's a four-record set, and two of them are in one label format, and two of them are in the other label format, they said, yes, we would allow you to do that. And in all the years I've been collecting records, I've only gotten one RCA Victor album with two different label formats in it. And it was something that I got very early when I was a kid. Uh, I was probably in fifth grade when I got this, when I got this album, because uh, th that was specifically when uh, um, in fifth grade we had a separate music class and I know our teacher was playing uh, the, uh, uh, the records from instruments of the orchestra. And they had large green, light green posters that she would hang around the room, which showed each of the instruments and showed somebody playing the instrument and said something about it, which were posters which RCA Victor had published back in the 1920s. And the set which they used were shellac scroll label pressings, which actually were recorded in England, but these were on, on the Victor label. And so I asked my mother to get the records for me. And when she came back, these were same title, Instruments of the Orchestra, it was on RCA Victor Records. They were vinyl pressings, however. And they were in the educational series. Two of them, the labels were blue, and the other two, the labels were yellow. And I've never come across anything you know, like an RCA Victor Red Seal sets or popular sets where the um, where the label formats were intermixed, except that album. And that album was one of the first albums one of the first 78 RPM albums that I had ever gotten. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that's the interesting aspect, uh, you know, an interesting aspect of my collecting career. But let's play the clarinet marmalade, the uh, Nick LaRocca and the original, they just called the original Dixieland band. Instead of calling it the original Dixieland jazz band or jazz band. 
because their first two records on Victor in 1917 and their first album on uh, their first record on Columbia in 1917 called it Jazz, J-A-S-S. And they didn't change it to J-A-Z-Z until uh, around the uh, the fall of 1917 when their third uh, records uh, and later records started coming out on Victor. So here's clarinet marmalade from, uh, I believe it's 1937. Again, I could go look it up. I'm looking to see. Yeah, I think I can pull out the jazz records out, uh, book that would have these records listed. And I'll get you the information in a moment. I better first switch it over and we'll be to the uh, input. You know, that has nothing to do with the sound of the original Dixieland Jazz Band <laughs> from 1917, that is for sure. This is a modern big band sound, that is, that's for sure. Um, looking at the um, um, 
Brian Rust's Jazz Records here. Um, this take, let's see, I'm, I'm assuming that it's take two. Uh, oh my goodness, on mine, it's, it's a take one. Hmm. That's very, very interesting. I'm sure that it's corrected in the newer edition because this is an older edition of the uh, of the book. But according to this, uh, take one of clarinet marmalade, and this is <laughs> clear as as as, uh, as a bell on here. Is it is a one that it is take one. It says rejected, and that's September 25th, 1936. The next session is November 10th, 1936, and there is where take two is recorded and released on Victor 25525. This record, however, that I'm holding here is 25411. He doesn't even have 25411 listed. So that's, I'm going to have to do a little more searching and see what the, uh, what the deal is on, uh, uh, on this record. Boy, everything is strange about this record. Oh. <laughs> but looking at the um, the personnel here, um, let's see. They they go back to uh, well, you, you, they 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 made their records through 1923. Um, then in 1935, October 9th, 1935. Uh, there's most of the personnel is different except for the drummer, uh, Tony Spabaro is, uh, was the original drummer and he, and they are listed as having recorded four sides, uh, that came out on Vocalion records. Hmm. New York, uh, recorded in New York on October 9th, 1935. Um, Phil Capacata, trumpet, Russ Morgan, trombone, you know, the tr Russ Morgan. Yeah. Uh, Sid Trucker, clarinet, Terry Shand, piano and vocal, Larry Hall, uh, string bass, and then Tony uh, Spabaro on drums. And I'm looking to see if um, Terry Shand is listed in any of the other recordings from the or, or, you know, sessions from from earlier as to whether uh, Spavaro is the only one from the original group. Yeah, looks like he's the only one from the original group, and they use that name. 
uh, original Dixieland jazz band for the uh, for these uh, vocalion sides, these four vocalion sides. But then a year later, that was October 935. Now on September 2nd, 1936, Svabaro is included in this group as well. Uh, but now Nick LaRocca, who is one of the originals, is uh, clarinet and director. Larry Shields, who had been... Um, yeah, I'm seeing, trying to see where Sh Shields came in, if he came in. Yeah, Larry Shields was there at the beginning also. He's uh, he's in there as well. So both LaRocca and Shields and Svabaro. So you got three out of the original uh, five or six. Uh, Eddie Edwards and Harry Ragus were the other two in the original 1917 uh, group, I think some of one or two. Well, say no, Eddie Edwards continued uh, for a while. Looking here, he's listed here in 1921, 22, and 23. Um, but there are other people listed uh, here: uh, Earl Ison, George Walters, George Johnson. Trumpet, Charles Harris, Alex Paloske, Trombone, Larry Shields again, Joe Hunkler, Barry Saffer, Alto Sax, George Dessinger, um, tenor sax, J. Russell Robinson, piano and vocal, Chris Fletcher, guitar and vocal, Boyd, Boyd Bennett, not Floyd Bennett, but Boyd Bennett, string bass, and then Spavaro on drums. So you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen pieces in a band that used to be five. And that's in September second and twenty fifth in nineteen thirty-six. Mm. But then they list here for the September and November sessions a smaller group. And this doesn't sound like the, oh, okay, that explains it. There was another clarinet marmalade recording on September 2nd, 36. That's the one we have. That is listed here. Uh, September 2nd, 36, with the large group, take one is listed on 25 Victor 25411 there's an asterisk there oh i see just that asterisk is for laraca and so then in september and november they had a small group oh just calling it the original dixieland 5 LaRocca, Eddie Edwards, Larry Shields, Russell Robinson, and Tony Spavaro. And that must be the group that is shown in the film. And they do uh, Clarinet Marmalade, Blue and the Blues, Tiger Rag, Skeleton Jangle, uh, Barnyard Blues, and Original Dixieland, One Step. 
over those two sessions. And uh, Skeleton Jangle is the only one from the first session that gets released. And the other five sides are from the second session. Then there's another session in February 18th, 1938 uh, for Bluebird, original Dixieland jazz band. First time they used the word jazz in here. Eddie Edwards, director, Sharky, uh, Bonanno, trumpet, Buck Scott, trombone, Larry Shields, clarinet, Frank Signorelli, piano, Artie Shapiro, string bass, Tony Savara, drums, Lola Bard, vocal. And she is a, vo uh, she's a vocal on all six sides. Drop a nickel in the slot, please be kind. Jezebel, ooh, boom. In my little red book, good night, sweet dreams, good night. Uh, and the other sides in the uh, big band session, which is what we heard, uh, Blue and the Blues, Tiger Rag, Ostrich Walk, Original Dixieland, One Step, Satanic Blues. Uh, let's see, Satanic Blues... And the original Dixieland One Step were both rejected and not re-recorded. Then second session, Toddlin' Blues, Did You Mean It? Who Loves You? Oh, Joe Blade, Your Ideas Are My Ideas and Fidgety Feet. And Your Ideas Are My Ideas was rejected and not re-recorded. I've got several LPs of these sessions. Uh, one was on Victor Vintage and the other was on uh, French RCA. And there is a CD, which I have, which I think is the complete, uh, uh, complete of all of these sessions. But, um, yeah, this... Clar clarinet marmalade is quite different <laughs> from uh, you know in the large group than it would be from the uh, from the small group. Now I'll have to take a look where I you know where I would have it. I bet if well, of course I don't know what we would come up with if we go over to to YouTube. What would show up? Let's see. Uh, bring that down, bring that down, come over here. Okay, YouTube. Original Dixie. Land Jazz Band. Uh, let's see. They got the 1970, 1917 Livery Stable Blues. Um, oh, here's the March of Time film from 1937. Yeah, let's put that on. That uh, 
Let's see. Let me get the other. Okay, hold on a second. Let me get the <laughs> Skype <coughs> Skype page up again so I can switch over. Skype options. And this should go to the stereo mix. And we should be able to hear the YouTube from that. day into music shops from coast to coast go more and more customers all for the same thing the latest in swing music music publishers and songwriters finding that swing music is ordinary music played with impromptu variations meet the ever-growing popular demand by grinding out routine tunes adding swing to every title as the nation's new musical fever rises, swing is accepted at Manhattan's ultra-formal rainbow room. It is indispensable at dark Harlem's hot and noisy Savoy. In 1916, a Victor Talking Machine music scout paid a visit to a cafe in Eberville Street, New Orleans. What do you call that music? Well, that's the kind of a swinging music. Swinging music, huh? What's the name of your band? Dixieland Jazz Band. With their agent's report urging a trial recording, the Victor Company pays transportation, brings the Dixieland band to its New York studios. Okay, boys, get ready. First selections, the Dixieland's own compositions become popular overnight and put a new word, jazz, into the nation's vocabulary. The band becomes a top-notch Broadway attraction. But when every small orchestra calls itself a jazz band, the Dixieland band sinks into obscurity as the name jazz becomes synonymous with cheap music. In Paris, famed French music critic Hugues Panassier hails swing music as a great American contribution in his scholarly thesis, Le Jazz Hot. Lauded as great artists are U.S. bandmasters like Red Norville, Benny Goodman, Glenn Gray, and Tick Webb. Manhattan night haunts remove their dance floors. 
cater to arty swing enthusiasts who come to listen and talk. Subject of much heated aesthetic debate is the genealogy of swing. In England, Oxford students form a hot club. Members seek to determine whether this new music originated with the African or the Indian. That's swing music if I ever heard it. Rude Victor executives seek out Dixieland's old-time leader, Nick LaRocca in New Orleans. Convince him of a likely market for new records if he can reassemble his band. Hunting out his scattered bandsmen, LaRocca finds his tromponist, Eddie Edwards, working in a New York Y. His drummer, Spabaro, in a repair shop. Locates clarinetist Shields in a Bible house. Pianist Russell Robinson is induced to leave radio. Rejoin the old team for its comeback. Ten years apart and out of practice, they rehearse for weeks on end. Not until early in 1937 does the New Orleans troupe get its hearing. From an old friend, radio's Ken Murray, comes a single appearance with him in Boston. They have chosen as their first number to give you their own famous tiger egg. Here they are. One, two... swing fans stretch the one-night stand into many, it is settled that today's swing is only yesterday's jazz, which the Dixieland band originated in New Orleans 20 years ago. Time marches on. <laughs> it's the first time I have seen that film. I've just seen, I've just seen excerpts of it. That's a fun film too. 
Yeah. Have you ever heard that? No. Before? No. The interesting. Okay. Yeah. You know, there are some things in the in the picture uh, because they they had a, a couple of intertitles that were not in the narration. I don't know why, but uh, you know, I'm going to go back through those and and show you the uh, opening picture here shows a um, uh, shows an array of five records on top of some sheet music. The songs in the sheet music are 